cap. That's magnificent. The move, and then this, which left Dabby's ass totally stranded. Hello, and welcome to About Cat Wonderland. We are an Arsenal podcast. You forgot about me, didn't you? Come on, don't. Let's, let's, just, let's just open the field. Let's just put it all out there and say, you forgot I existed. You all thought I was gone. No, 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 no. I've just been busy living rent-free in Chelsea Heads fans. Oh, I've had some fun this past week. But I'm back this week, and... Uh, it's been it's been fun. It's, it's been it's been fun to be back involved and doing stuff and and talking about stuff, which is exactly what we're going to do this evening. So, I shall stop waffling on and introduce this fine group of characters in front of me. First of all, top. Oh no, I should be doing it that way, shouldn't I? To my right is Big Carl. Carl, how are you doing, sir? I believe you're um you're you're you're. Uh, representing the country that's not what jury services is it well, i suppose it technically is doing my civic duty that's uh, the badger it's just a shame that boris johnson's not in the dock or half of the tory party's not in the dock <laughs> because i would be finding them guilty without having to hear any evidence whatsoever <laughs> I really hope, of course, for legal reasons, you can't discuss any of it on the podcast, but I really hope it's like somebody stole something from Woolworths or something like that. I really hope that's the case you're dealing with. Although Woolworths doesn't exist anymore, sad times. Anyway, before we go down that particular avenue, uh, let me introduce the man directly below me. I like him down below. Does his best work there. Hi, Josh. How are you doing? <laughs> Hello. Um, I don't know how to say. I don't know what to respond to that, especially with our DM conversations earlier today. Uh, <laughs> if anybody does follow Chris and has the uh, misfortune of seeing him on uh, Instagram, you'll know exactly what pair of shorts I'm talking about or lack thereof. <laughs> they are. They're fine shorts, Josh. Um, as we, <laughs> we, we've coined a new phrase, haven't we? <laughs> we have. Um, in... It's a very Arsenal coined phrase of uh, Little Chris and the Carpenters as well. It's a very musical pair, I've heard. Mm. Um, but yeah, uh, I think that's enough about your bollocks. I yeah. think we can continue talking metaphorical bollocks. Metaphorical, yeah, exactly. Yeah, let, let's move on from my bollocks and talk some other bollocks. Uh, right, I don't know how to do this. I'm going to have to... No, no, there. There we go. Femi, bottom right, how are you doing, sir? And um, I'm sure all the listeners are thinking it, so we're just going to ask you the question again. Um, are they oversized? I mean, what are they in the background? Is is that like a massive packet of revels that went wrong, or what? what's going on there? Oh, I even, you know what? I was, it's been here all week, and I totally even forgot until we got on camera. I was like, what's going on here? No, there were just balloons for birthday celebrations the other day. It actually, I actually missed the birthday celebrations, believe it or not. I went to Arsenal for the whole day of my birthday celebrations. <laughs> so, did, so did somebody arrange a party and then you just fucked off? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, that's, that is elite manning. The, that is. the plan was to be back home for eight o'clock, but I decided to go to the Arsenal shop and I ended up uh, in there for two hours trying to get a, a, a printed shirt. 
But you yeah. you were in there for two hours because that was because you had to remortgage your house to afford the show. <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. There you go. That's another one. <laughs> Jesus, we we might we might touch on that later on in the show if we get time because yeah. it is bloody scandalous. Anyway, um, right. So, uh, elite panel of guests for this evening. Let's jump straight in. We are going to talk a little bit about walls because you know it's kind of what we do here. It's probably more to discuss after the game rather than the game itself. But, um, Firm, I'll stick with you first of all because you were the one of the three of us that was actually there and indeed actually saw the game. So, um, was it a classic? I, I feel like somebody tweeted this and I kind of nodded along with it. I feel like Arsenal win 5 0 on the final day of the season, like every year, it just seems to be the way. Um, I, I guess the first question I have for you is what was the team performance like and what was the was the atmosphere as as good as it looked post game pre game if you if you get what I mean so obviously Arteta yeah. came out which we'll touch on in a minute but was it was it a sense of we've had a lovely old time it's been a great season uh, or was there still a little tinge of disappointment in the air? No, no, atmosphere was absolutely brilliant, uh, loud as ever. Um, I think the Brighton game was the flat game, I would say, but this game was as loud as ever. And I think, one, funny enough, one of the things that might have held the atmosphere was the Granite Xhaka situation, because mm. I think him leaving kind of whipped up a bit of, especially early on in the game, there was never, any moment that was quiet was a Granite Xhaka chant would come along. You know, from the, the second minute onwards, you know, he, he definitely got his, his attention um, in the game. Um, Game-wise, um, I mean, Wolves didn't offer up much of a fight, to be honest with you. It is, it's pretty similar to the Everton game last year, isn't it? They they mm. just off, they pretty much offered nothing. I can't remember Ramsdale making a save or he, he, he... Obviously, Wolves have clearly got some players that are leaving this summer and he stopped them all on the bench, mainly. Um, and he brought them a few of them on at half-time. But you can see that Wolves are going to be... They're going to... I'll say they're going to be in trouble next season if if all the, the the signs are of their financial troubles ahead are, are and the manager are planning to leave and things like that. But we'll see. But it, it was... I mean, for us, it was just a standard, like you said, last game performance. Um, party at right back. Got skinned a couple of times, but he didn't really have much pressure on him. Ben White was brilliant at centre-back, to be fair. Um, Kivior defensively... Absolutely roasted a couple of times one on one, um, but you know, held his own uh, later on in the game. I guess, um, I'll tell you, had a good game, and I never ever say this. Uh, this is the second time I've said this actually. Jorginho was absolutely brilliant, mm. <laughs> he, there was no pressure on the ball, no pressure on him. He, he only got run past once, and he just took out the player that ran past him. He but his passing was just magnificent. Oh, I didn't know. I mean, I've heard about his passing, but that's the first time I'd seen it properly, as in no pressure on him. He's just pinging balls left, right and centre on the money. Brilliant, mm. brilliant, brilliant. I have to brilliant. say, Wolves are possibly one of the worst sides I've seen this season. Um, <laughs> have you seen Leeds at all? Or um, <laughs> I have seen Leeds and I did see Southampton, but I only saw one of them lose 6-0. Um, True. And yeah, Femi, I completely agree that Jorginho looked great because there's just no pressing in that side. They just refuse to do anything. I'm shocked they haven't got rid of Lopetegui because there's something but clearly not right in that squad. But he's done well, though, for them. Yeah. He's kept he him up, well. but... 
I mean, think when, when, look at I how think they when, play. You, when you're safe, it's, it's a bit difficult, isn't it? To, to you, you don't really know, like, you know, what, what, what the situation is. Once the team's safe, look at Bournemouth, for example. They've been going great guns. As soon as they were safe, they lost four in a row. So, it, it, I don't know. Who was their like previous this. manager? I can't even remember now. Who was it before Lobotegui came in? Wasn't it that, that Portuguese guy? Oh. <laughs> I was going to yeah. narrow it down, Femi. That <laughs> <Yeah>. Portuguese <laughs> client as well. I always think of Nuno, but it wasn't him, <laughs> yeah. was it? No, it was... Um, um, I can see his face now. Uh, I can see his face Gracia, well. but it's not Gracia. Gra- not, not Gracia, but yeah. Somebody, somebody will come up with it in the chat. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Because Lopetegui was linked with some quite big clubs, wasn't he? Like before he went to Wolves and he turned it down for a while because wasn't his... He was his... currently getting severe relegated. That was what he was <laughs> doing before. Yeah, but, but didn't he have, um, didn't he have like, was his uh, his mum or his father like, very ill or something? And he yeah yes, you're right yeah yeah he did turn yeah. it down because of that yeah 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 he was he was doing really badly at severe as well wasn't he and yeah they were getting they the were turnaround getting yeah. Then Bruno 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 yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. Mm. then um what then happened yeah severe sacked him at the right time because that meant they got Sam Pauli which meant he didn't go to Brighton and Brighton ended oh, up right. to Serbi and Sam Pauli then consolidated Sevilla trying to get relegated and they've got the guy in that just won the Europa League with them and they're finishing seventh. It's a fucking disgrace. Insane. Uh, Only one disgrace here, Jose. (laughs) While I've got you, Josh, you mentioned um, about Jorginho. I think think it was myself and Carl had this conversation when we signed Jorginho. I think we were both in the agreement. We were like, yeah, you know, he's a good stopgap signing. He'll be here to the end of the season. Then he'll probably quietly skip Mm. out the door to Milan or somewhere in the summer and that'll be that. It does look increasingly likely that he will be around beyond this season now, doesn't it, into next season. Is he exactly the sort of player that we need with this squad for Champions League upcoming? Because obviously we've got that to contend with now. But he's um, is there an argument that he could even be, depending on who we sign, of course, that he could be pushing for one of those starting spots? Because I, I do think he has had him and Trossard both for players that we apparently weren't you know, our number one choices. They both did really well second half of the season. We'll touch on Trossard in a minute, but would you be happy to see Jorginho stick around? Yeah, I think the 18-month contract we signed him to was kind of the perfect length, almost. is Next season, got Champions League. Well, not to you though, Chris. Um, <laughs> True. <laughs> uh, he said, was that it? I think. Oh. Oh, what's that? Oh. Uh, what what yeah. do you expect me to do with that? <laughs> Carry on. Sorry. Um, <laughs> anyway, thimbles are very useful for you anyway in the bedroom. Um, it's very useful to just wash it out after every go. Um, so, yeah, Jorginho, I think 18-month contract, perfect for him. And then in, yeah, we've got Champions League next season. And looking at our midfield, I think we all know midfield depth isn't there. We know one is probably going out in terms of Granit Xhaka. I think that's what all but you know, official from, uh, it's not on BBC yet or Arsenal.com or Bayerleverkusen.de or whatever their website is. Um, yeah, we, we'd need cover there. And I think bringing two additional bodies in, keeping Jorginho, Thomas Partey, and I'm assuming El Elneny is going to stay with us as well. And I think that's the perfect kind of mix that we've got a good number of players 
in place that can offer slightly different things. Um, obviously, it depends on the shape of the two midfielders that we're targeting. We'll come on to that in terms of our uh, our wish list <laughs> of which ones are there. I think it's um, you know we've already got the accompaniment of uh, of rice. It's just what is the main protein that's going with it? Is it um, is it extra carbs or is it something uh, completely different? But yeah, I think yeah. In, in summary, Jorginho is a good, solid signing and is perfect for us next season, especially if we're looking to continue um, recruiting young players who don't have experience that he's got. And mm. He's still got hugely experienced in terms of Champions League um, and in European football generally. And I think that's something that we'll need to have, especially as I think, realistically, we should be pushing for European trophies, um, severe style. I, I don't think we're Champions League worthy, but we certainly could drop into the Europa League and give it a good fight. Mm. Yeah, I do th- I do feel like Jorginho has has proven a few people wrong. And I think John was, obviously John saw a lot of, a lot of him when he was at Napoli in Italy. And there was clearly a player in there, but it was just whether... It's, it, we're just scarred, aren't we, with ex-Chelsea, you know, failed players. So I suppose it's only natural, but... Think he's a good fit, and I keep forgetting about Mo Nene. Do you know he he will bless him. He'll still be around, even if they just need someone to feed the dog at the training ground. He'll be like, "Yep, that's fine, no problem." Like he he just loves being here, doesn't he? <laughs> like I think it'll be hard, even when his contract ends. They'll be he'll just turn up. And Mikel will be like, well, "He's no, doing he's... his coaching coaching badges." Oh, is he doing that? Is he okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He joked, he'll be like Perez. Remember how we couldn't get rid of Perez ages until yeah, we had to have a global ca- pandemic to go, mate. Go to the gym. Yeah. Go somewhere else. You, we'll pay for go. it to get a pure gym. We'll pay your uh, membership. Just stop turning up here and using our facilities. Funny enough, when when Xhaka scored his second goal, he ran over to um, El Neni to it celebrate Neni, on the it? bench. Yeah. Yeah, 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 because obviously they're the last two, last two Venga boys that are left. Yeah, they are. Yeah, and and you know what? Like, if El Neni's happy, and um, we're not, you know, it's not like we're paying him a king's ransom, is it? I'm, I'm more than happy for him to be part of that squad because I think he's he's a good presence around the training ground. He's obviously good for the younger players and just strikes you as a consummate professional. So good on him. Uh, Carl, I want to talk about Leandro Trossard. He's got a lovely new barnet, first of all. That's, that's a beauty, that is. And uh, for a man who's getting his hair done tomorrow, <laughs> hey, have I got some plans? Um, but me aside, um, he, he's come in. He came in in January, obviously. I think... I do think the Mudrick's kind of uh, mocking from our fans is a bit rich because I think I think if we're honest with ourselves, we all know there is a player in there. He's just joined an absolute shit tip of a club um, that, you know, at the wrong time for the wrong fee and the wrong circumstances and everything. It was clear where he wanted to go and um, it's not worked out for him yet, but I think he will come good. So no, no doubting he was the one we wanted, but, but we got Trossard. And he's just very quietly gone about his business, hasn't he? Like the the assists, I, I really love his. I think it was James from Gunnerblog was was um, comparing his shooting style to Thomas Rosicki, in that when he hits it, it stays hit. He's one of those. But I I just really like the the freedom he gives us to be able to play in so many different roles and so many different positions. He just I don't know, he just to me he just fits our style of play. He he. He comes across like an Arsenal player. Do you think he'll be quite fundamental to what we're looking to do next season? I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm not going to name who it was, but someone 
when he signed calling the Belgian Arshavin. I'm not going to say who, um, but he's ginger. But um, I, <laughs> I mean, I always, I knew he'd come in and do a job. And I think he came in because he's the right age. He's the right kind of profile. And I don't think anyone expected him to have as much as an impact as he did. I think people thought he'd be a backup to Martellini, which essentially kind of is, isn't he? Because um, if you're looking who you're going to start, Martellini or Trossard, I guess you're going to choose Martellini day in, day out. Um, but he comes in for the right sort of games. You know, I think, and we'll probably get onto this later, Um we can't keep playing the same team week in, week out. We need to give players rest. I'm sure we'll talk about Saka um, later on in the show. But um, he's come in and I think a big thing is being Premier League ready. And he knows how to play in the Premier League. He doesn't need time adjusting. He doesn't need time to get used to the pace of the game. Maybe just Arsenal's playing style, but he knows about the robustness of the Premier League. He knows about how hard you're going to get tackled how to play the referees and I think once you're he seems like a really confident person and once you can come in and prove he don't, sorry I mean that he doesn't need to prove how good he is because he knows how good he is and he's come in um, at the right crucial time and he's played numerous positions he's played up front as a kind of a false nine-ish um, he's played on the left wing and he's played um, centre mid as well and I think when you've got a player who can play numerous positions um, it's a bonus. I think you're right about Modric. I think, not to give any credit, but he is he's going to be a player. And sadly, once Pochettino gets hold of him, I feel like he might start clicking and you you, you might start seeing the real player. Um, but that remains to be seen. And I think, you know, but we're we're fans, you know, we didn't if we if we didn't mock other teams, now what kind of sport would this be? That's that's what we do. But um I think Trossard is the right sort of profile player. And I know Arteta wants to go um, sort of young and he wants to bring in these young players, but there's nothing wrong, like um, Josh said, with a little bit of experience. You need that to bring through. So hopefully Trossard can help Martinelli so he can say to him, you know, oh, why do this when you can do that? And, you know, just things like that. I mean, it's all well and good having, you know, um, young, young players all around you. But look at Southampton. All their players, I mean, they had how many signings did they have with no Premier League experience? And look what happened to them. They've, they've gone down. So you do need a little bit of experience um, in the team. Mm, yeah, yeah, I completely agree with you. I think it's sometimes it's not always about the name or the, I guess, like the glitz and glam. It, it, it's sometimes about being... I hate the phrase, but it's that Premier League readiness, isn't it? It's that ability to come in and make an instant impact and... And, and being able to to slot into a club's ethos and the way they play. And he definitely fits that that style for sure. Um, just going back to the game as a whole, then um, just sort of uh, rolling over the, the the individual goals, because as much as, you know, they were goals and they happened, etc. I don't think anyone really sort of cares too much being the end of the season and everything. But does, does the do you sort of feel like the makeup of the squad despite the disappointment and, d- and despite the fact that we did come up short, did you get that impression on that, particularly on that, the lap of appreciation, whatever they call it these days, um, and the way the players went out there? Does it have the look of a of a sort of a united group that's ready to just 
go again and and be here sort of ready to rock and roll because i think we go on the american tour in like eight weeks don't we it's, it's not long at all so do, does it yeah. did they have that look of a team that have gone you know what we've had a great season we've we've enjoyed it it's just a shame one, but we're, we're ready one thing i did love about the lap appreciation was it was packed. i looked around the stadium mm. actually it was packed jam-packed and it just reminded me of the the other team down the road a week before where people only stayed for their appreciation because the women had a, another game <laughs> later on that afternoon. Those are the only people that were left in the stadium. But it was loud. People were, you know, giving the the players a lot of love. Saliba got a lot of love. Rob Holding got a lot of love. Mm. Um, I'm, I'm, yeah, I heard down a little birdie told me at the stadium that they... He's he's on the chopping block, Rob Holding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, who else was there? Uh, Katie got a lot of love as well. Kieran Tierney, and um, yeah, it was it was you know the usual lap of honor stuff. Um, you could tell that some of the players, you know, the, the, the players are. I think they've accept come to accept what happened. I think the disappointment probably is is worn off. Um, we just got to be ready to go because, like you said, we've got a really tough preseason. Um, coming up, and especially if Man City win on Saturday, it kind of probably changes a lot of our plans for pre-season because we'll have to jump into the Community Shield, won't we? Um, yeah, against, yeah, point, yeah. Against, yeah, against Manchester City, and that'll be fun. Yeah, exactly. Losing to them, <laughs> <laughs> losing to them before the season starts. I know it sounds really stupid, but get out of the way. <laughs> not not really that we can't let it affect us if yeah. if we do because we that game seemed to really affect us this season the two games against them just seem to really do a lot of a lot of psychological especially that second game it seemed to just just put a hole in the, the confidence of the whole team so yeah. we just got to be ready to go like just like last preseason you know we had a tough schedule last season and we kind of swept everyone aside the same thing but you know the the stadium was was pretty. I think the, the the weather helped. I guess it was a nice sunny North London day. People were out drinking. Or it was a four thirty kickoff, so people. I mean, there was people kissing, kissing. I took my son for the first time. There was a, a woman was kissing him. He, he, he was shocked. He was like, "What's going on here? Is this what happens at football all the time?" Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Holding babies, signing autographs. Mate, he came home and he said to his mom, "Oh, some lady kissed dad." On. I was like, what's <laughs> <laughs> I was like, shh. <laughs> I was like, no, you... she was just she was just happy. She was just excited the goal went. And it was your birthday, you know. <laughs> and it was your birthday, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you had the massive bollocks behind you. Yeah. <laughs> um let's um let's kind of like do let's sort of address the, the Arteta um conversation then. Um, Carl, let's come to you first of all. He he got he got a standing ovation, um, and and rightly so. You know this this is a uh, a coach that that some were skeptical about, me included, when he first came in. Um, you know this is a this is a guy who he he's very out there. I think I think even Mikel would would say that if if he was honest. You know he does things in a very unique way. There's there is a bit of pep about him, but he's not as weird. Or oh, I can't say that for legal reasons, but perhaps a weirdo and he's a fraud and he's bold but um that aside Arteta sort of had to win the fans over he's definitely done that over the course of this season arguably probably throughout last season as well despite the way it ended this season he's gone from strength to strength but that ovation I mean it was 
it, it was different to to Arsene Wenger, but it was it was up there, wasn't it? It was like the the love that was coming out. I think even from people other than maybe Nissan owners um, were were very very accommodating towards him. You know, very appreciative to the work he's done, and even those skeptics, me included, have gone full circle. And I think is a very united fan base behind him. What did you make of that that reception that he got and and this this sort of love that we have for for the coach now? I think he I think you hit the nail on the head, Christopher, when you said um, it was deserved, and I and I do think it, it's deserved. Look, we had some dark days with Mikel Arteta. You know, let's let's be honest. You know, when we finished eighth. Missing out on the um, Champions League last season, you know, I think everybody thought that maybe that was it. You know, so-called pundits were saying that this was the that was the best that he he could do, and with the Arsenal squad. But and I hate I hate using this um, this sentence, but you know, he had an idea in his mind, he had a process, and he did, and he and he believed in what he was doing and the fact that not only he believed in it the, the the board the club the coaching staff the players believed in it as well he had a philosophy of how he wanted to play he had a an idea of what he wanted to do and he and edu would have sat down with each other and talked about this, the, the profile of players that they wanted the style of football they wanted to play the owners had to believe the idea as well um and Rightly so. He's got, I mean, he's took taken us from eighth to fifth to second. Um, that when especially when everybody wrote us off, like no one at the start of the season, or if you'd gone back a year to, to right now, and someone has said to you, everybody here, we're gonna finish second next season, no one would have believed us. Not not I mean, I think even people in here would have said maybe not. Um, Arteta deserves credit. He deserves credit because he is the reason where we are now is the reason why we play how we play how we're coached you know you when it's good you give him the credit and i think you have to give him that his flowers because he's kind of turned this club around and we was in turmoil for a little bit after wenger left you know when we went through the um process of unai emre and for whatever reason unai emre just didn't work out i don't know why but it just didn't work out um, but then again, look at the players that we had when United Emery was there. So, you know, it, it just shows. But Arteta deserves the praise that he got on Sunday because he's taken us to a level and he knows what he wants to do and he wants to take us to a new level. Do you know, the, the, yes, we missed out on the league and we just about, I say just about, but, you know, if we had just done a few things, we may have won the league this season and I think it's over expectations. But he said he wants to get us into the Champions League at the start of the season. We, we've done that. We've done that at Canter, like very easily. And I think anything else was just bonus. He is going to be a coach that could coach his club for a very long time. You know, are we worried about um, a bigger club coming to collect him, maybe you, you never know if the Reals or the Barcelonas uh, come knocking, maybe Spanish um, national team we don't know, but we can't worry about that right now we just concentrate on Arsenal and I think you know, as long as he's backed and as long as the players still believe in his philosophy and the board still believe in his philosophy then there's no limit to what we can do. Yes, we have to compete with the juggernaut that is Manchester City and um, 
and whatever the other teams do at the start of next season. But we don't have to worry about that. It is where it is. But Mikel Arteta has got us Arsenal playing in a certain style, which I think everybody here, I don't think I don't think there's a game which we'll probably talk about in a second, but I don't think there's a game that happened in this season where you fought to we didn't play even exciting football. We we kept going for it. Yes, we there are some games where we capitulated and we collapsed, but we never played boring football. We always knew what the plan was. Did he get some stuff wrong? Yes. Do I still have a problem with his substitutions? Yes. Do I have a problem with him overplaying Saka? Yes. But he has an idea. He has a philosophy in his head and that's what he wants to do. So I think he's got to be congratulated for getting us up to second place. And I think everybody has to appreciate what he's done. Yeah. I think the yeah, big thing that helped was um, the All or Nothing documentary. We forget mm. all the way back in August, that was the beginning of the season that came out. Mm. And I think having that insight you know, did a world of good for Agreed. brand Mikel mm-hmm. because the fans could finally see in an unadulterated um, way, well, I suppose a little bit kind of twisted. There was certainly some PR that went into it to ensure that Mikel's philosophy was at the forefront there as well mm-hmm. as what um, the Cronkies were also trying to achieve with the club. But I think generally that united a lot of fans to see actually everybody on the inside does care and no matter how much a journalist might try and spin a story there was no spinning in a kind of negative way everything was spun positively even a Bamiyang where people were going oh well we all know the people that didn't want a Bamiyang leaving but then seeing it and yeah it spun it in a positive light and they definitely avoided a lot of things that occurred at the time but generally getting that little bit of insight I think really helped unite the fan base behind the club and made them love Arsenal again because you saw what we'd kind of lost in that kind of Arsenal were the club that always do the right thing you know mm-hmm. classy club and there were some things that weren't necessarily classy but you could see that Mikel was trying to bring that back because it's something that we felt left with Wenger when yeah. you then had Shady Raul going around with his brown envelopes, um, <laughs> demanding seventy-two million uh, to himself, I assume, and then I don't know what Arsenal got for Pepe, um, but those kind of deals, it we kind of got caught in that kind of slippery shadiness. That although some, um, I say, new fans, and I think that's not to say you know, fans that are new to Arsenal, it's that. I think you know which kind of fans I'm talking about when I say those that don't necessarily respect the values of the club. don't know what you mean, Josh. I have No, no. Um, <laughs> just think of any Chelsea fan from 2004 onwards. I'd, I'd rather not after the week I've had, to be honest. <laughs> I jumped in as well on some of them. It was great. <laughs> it was. Did, they, did you know that apparently Brighton and Crystal Palace have a rivalry? Um, I, was told that no. by, um, nah. I was told that by a Chelsea fan. Yeah, great. Who then, who then went on to tell me it was the uh, it was what have uh, what have you ever achieved in the Premiership? Which I I'm not a fan of rugby. Not <laughs> known. Aren't you supposed to call it the Barclays? Isn't that what the kids say it's now? The Barclays. The Barclays. Well, let's put it's it this not way. even the Barclays. Chelsea yeah. have never played in the Premiership in the Chelsea that you know of. The one they established no. in 2004 never played in the Premiership, or only the Premier League. Um, but yeah, anyway, that's 
back to the subject, the catalyst, I think, for why, of course, Asper and Army have done a great thing for the stadium as well. But I think generally fans were coming in more fired up, more backing the team. Um, I don't know, Femi, if it's, it, it feels like it was more than just Ashburn and Army that really got fans off their seats now for this season. Yeah, yeah. No, it was different. It was, it, there was definitely, I mean, <clears throat> all year, you, you always hear Arteta saying connection. He said that's the main thing. Is not that what he said in his speech, the connection? He kept saying that. Um, even in that pre-game video that they sent out, he was talking about that. It, it, there is just, I mean, to be honest, we, we're long-suffering fans, to be honest. Think about it. We actually haven't won the league for 20 years come next year. <laughs> that's a long time. And some of those seasons have been just miserable haven't they so you know for me i i love winning stuff i love you know i'd love the arsenal i would love arsenal to win a trophy or win the league but i mean we we were still supporting weren't we when even in the dark days despite our moaning and our bitching we still come back the next season and (laughs) start again don't we with that same hope and and everything and it, it, it felt like the team you know, gave it back, didn't they? They they gave something back this season. They they gave a lot of effort and passion and 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 things like that. Um, the video that they play at the beginning of the, the at the stadium has Arteta voiceovers, and I think it was from his first uh, interview. Is I think he said something about it's like passion. You have to give aggression and commitment. You know, and once you give those things, what what more can the fans do? What can they say? You know, as long as you, and that's what they do. You know, despite order, order, like you said, sometimes things just go badly. But yeah, most of the time, I mean, we, we've we've barely been outplayed this season. To be honest with you, I can only think of about four or five matches that we've been totally just outplayed and outmaneuvered and didn't do anything in the game. So. I mean, once you do that, there's not much more you can complain of as a fan. You know, the, the, I think most fans that give Arsenal rubbish, that are Arsenal fans now, is because they're getting pressure from their their mates who are fans of other teams who have just been absolutely dreadful but just decided to take out their frustration on Arsenal fans. And, yeah, I, I, I don't... Uh, it's just weird. Like, some of the online discourse and that I hear is totally different from anything you, you see in the stadium. Hmm. It, is, it is weird, but but like I, I mean, like I always say, like you can be disappointed by it. You can still criticize. You can be disappointed, but it's like yeah. now there's a now there's a reset after every game, rather than when it was Wenger, where those it's like the reset takes another season. Basically, the the wounds were just too deep at, at a certain point with Arsenal fans with 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 Arsene Wenger and, and that kind of era. But now it's like, okay, next game, we go again mm. kind of thing, isn't it? Yeah. This this is why I'm keen to um this is why I was quite keen to sort of mention this in in this pod because I, I got a bit of flack when I, I tweeted after the um I can't remember what bloody game it was now. Uh I think it was the game when when the sort of title had slipped away. Was it was it the Brighton game? It'd be Brighton was when we threw it away because he went full Man United away remember the old traffic <laughs> yeah. game where he just decided i can't control this midfield so i'm just going to substitute all my midfielders off and replace them with diminutive <laughs> yeah. um yeah he did that at man man united that's why we lost 3-1 uh and he did the same in the brighton game as well because yeah. the press was too strong and he couldn't work out if his midfield was making no impact in the game i'll just remove my midfield um 
which I think is one of the, one of the things Carl said. That's that he's still got those little problems in there. But I mean, even his, um, you know, even his tutor is uh, prone to the odd brain fart, shall we say? Oh yeah, yeah. I, I, I do have to say with, with Arteta as well. I mean, you can accuse him of many things. I think that Carl and Firm touched on there as well. That, you know, he's, he's not immune to criticism. He does do things wrong. There are certain things I'd like to see him learn from but he is still comparatively a young manager was he like early 40s um you know that there's a there's far older managers than him that are, are you know, absolutely clueless at bigger clubs i might add um or bigger you know i say bigger as big as us but um he cares like i think you can you can see that in how he comes across with every interview and everything he says he he does care I think he's a very good politician as well. I think he speaks very, very cleverly and he knows what to say. Um, and before I touch on the point I was going to make there, I think it's important in the interest of balance that you give the Cronkies a bit of credit in this this situation as well. I saw Josh was there at the last game of the season. Um, you know, in, in, a, in a world we live in now where Chelsea are owned by a bloke who plays Monopoly for a living, um, you know, and you see what's happening at Man United, uh, you know, other big clubs in, in the world. You know, I, I don't know. I think I speak for us all when I say I, I wouldn't want us to be a Man City or a Newcastle, regardless of how many false trophies it got us. You know, we are not whiter than white. Our sleeve sponsor tells you that, but we are a club that has had a decent financial backing, but to nowhere near the levels of some clubs. And to be fair to the Cronkies, when Arteta has asked for the players, we've gone after those players, and when there wasn't that player available we've gone and got the next best thing and he and you know edu and and uh and the cronkies do deserve a fair bit of credit um i'm quite looking forward to the edu barbecue reappearing this summer um because that's always a vibe but um the point i was going to make just briefly is about criticism and we we live in in a world where you can put anything on social media um your testicles if you wish you know that's your bag you do what you need to do but um we live in a world where you can have an opinion and you can be right and you can be wrong and i think twitter has come a long way both positively and negatively but when i put whenever this tweet was and i just sort of said i do think we have to be a bit careful about over celebrating this glorious season it has been a really good season it has you know have we won anything? No. Did we ultimately fall short for the second season, you know, in succession with regards to our aim or our objective, which let's not make any bones about it. Coming through the new year, our objective was to win that title. We threw that Europa game away, didn't we? Let's be fair. So, you know, I do feel like it was, it was there for us. And whether you want to say bottled or not, I mean, I don't really care. But, you know, bottling is whatever. Um, I think that's reserved for Spurs more likely. But you can't get away from the fact we we did chuck it away. We did. It was in our hands. We did chuck it away. Those Man City results wouldn't have mattered if we had won those key games. And I said it at the time, you know, West Ham and Liverpool are the two that really stand out for me. I think if you win those, you beat Southampton. But the overriding point what I was trying to make was that it wasn't a question of me being negative, which is what a lot of people jumped on straight away. Oh, you just can't enjoy yourself. You're just a miserable old bastard, blah, blah, blah. And yes, I am a miserable old bastard. I'm not going to deny that. But I do think, um, and I'll come to you on this one, Carl, because I think you feel similar to me on this one. I do think it's about keeping fans' feet on the ground a bit as well. And we mentioned the Ashburton Army. That there's a new breed of fan going to the Arsenal these days, you know, that are younger than our generation, 
um, and they some of them don't even you know know what the Invincibles was and all that. We have to keep our feet on the ground because yes, we had a great season this year. Yes, we've progressed. Um, yes, we've done some fantastic things, and as you said, played some brilliant football. But we also did that in a season where Chelsea fell off, where Liverpool fell off, where Spurs, never mind, where Man United <laughs> fell off. We, you know, they're going to come again. Um, they're going to get their shit together at some point. We have to build on this, but I just think it's important that we don't have an open top parade for ultimately what has been a successful season in terms of progression, but ultimately we haven't done anything yet. Do you see where I'm coming from and where do you stand on that? I mean, yeah, definitely. I think um, it, it's the hope that kills you, isn't it? I think after sort of the World Cup, you know, we, we were on an upward trajectory and, we, you know, we started to believe. We started to, you know, we started to think, just we might just do it. Like, I think I don't think there's an Arsenal fan who didn't think that we was going to do it. I think we was up to we was cautiously optimistic. I think we knew that the juggernaut that is Manchester City were going to come at some point. Um, I think you are correct. I think um, careful. I, I I remember, and I think everyone here remember the the, the this the, um, the year that Leicester won it. I remember being on the podcast with you, Chris, saying they're never going to win it. And I remember John, it was me, you and John, who was on the podcast. And I remember like you and John doing what you're doing. He's arguing back and forth. And like said, you were saying they're never going to win. And I was saying, and John was saying, you never know. They just might. He was like, there's no chance in hell. And I think this might have been around January, February time. It was quite early on. Like, And he was saying, they're going to fall off. They're going to fall off. It's going to happen. And I remember like you come to me and I said, do you know what, Chris? I think they're going to win it. He was like, no, no, no. And I think... I remember saying to you in that, I think there's so many other teams that were just so bad that mm. season. Because that everyone was bad that season. Okay, anyone says everyone was bad that season. And I remember just talking to you and saying that Leicester were just hitting it long onto Vardy and scoring. And I remember that saying to you that I don't understand why teams are not defending, um, why teams are defending so high against Jamie Vardy. And we were saying that the next season, teams are going to come back. And what happened, lo and behold, they did come back. I think this season, the money that's around the Premier League is going to be ridiculous again. I think, didn't we, I think um, we the Premier League spent more money last um, summer than I think the five top leagues combined or something stupid like that. Yeah. And I think it's going to happen. I think it's going to happen again. Um, we have to be, we have to be ready for what's coming. If Manchester United takeover does go through, um, they're going to spend money. Like I think it's Jim Radcliffe. He's going to end up buying it. Like he definitely is. Um, he's going to end. He's going to spend money. Mm. Chelsea seem to have an unlimited pot some way or somehow. They're going to spend money. And sadly, I do think Pochettino will get them playing. I think mm. um, Manchester City have already got a good team, and are they going to add to it? Of course, they're going to add to it. Newcastle are going to add to their team. Um, Liverpool as well. Liverpool, as soon as they get um, their two centre midfielders, because that's what they need, that's what they're kind of missing. Um, they've kind of got a good defence. They've got uh, good attackers. I think they're just missing two centre midfielders. And if they get them, then they're going to they're gonna, uh, come back. So I think if we don't hit these heights next season, I don't want people to be disappointed. Yes, mm -hmm. the, the, the absolute bare minimum should be top four. I'm sorry, it should. It should mm. always be the bare minimum. Um, yeah. because until 
something happens to Manchester City, I don't think anyone can compete. We can push them, and mm. it would be nice to have other teams sort of pushing them as well. I think Liverpool will come back. I think Manchester United might get their shit together. Chelsea might do the same. So it would be good if there was a healthy battle at the top. Mm. Um, and teams don't... Yeah, you're right. Teams don't remember the Invincibles. And, you know, Femi can allude to this as well. The atmosphere in the ground, I think it's a case of... I think even when we go one goal down, we still believe that we're going to win. Like, we, mm-hmm. we can go one goal down, we still believe we're going to win. And I think as long as we... Have, I think that's a good thing for us. I think as long as we sort of transport that to the team, you know, we, don't, we go one nil down and no one's booing, no one's like pissed off. Everyone, soon as we go one goal down, the team is cheering like we almost scored a goal ourselves. And I think as long as you do that, I don't care about what other clubs say or what other fans say, like, oh, we bottled it. It is what it is. Yes, we should have got, um, we may have should have won the league. But I just think that, if we believe, then we can. Because as long as everyone else is going to get stronger, we're going to get stronger as well. So I don't think you can discount that. Mm. Yeah, that, that, that's a good point. Yeah, and we will touch on our our areas of weakness in in a second as well. Is that is that for you, Josh? The the sort of angle, like where where do you sit on this season? Because I I think where I was coming from, and like sometimes you you know you you post a tweet or whatever and you say things that you just that come out like things that are on your mind and you don't always articulate the best way or you know you don't always sort of I, I don't sit there for hours and think oh I must word this the right way I just tweet what I feel um and I, th- I feel like the main kind of worry I had when I sent that tweet was just this was the chance and it was it was born of a bit of frustration I had inside because I was just thinking we might not get a better opportunity than this and some people couldn't understand what I was saying when I was saying, like, nobody can compete with Man City. And a few people came back to me and they were like, yeah, but you're you're contradicting yourself because you are competing for the Man City and now you're pissed off because we haven't done it. And I'm like, no, that's not the point I'm making. I'm saying we were an anomaly. Like, we were out there. Liverpool were the anomaly with Man City. But Liverpool won it because Man City were were off quite a lot that season, I think it's fair to say. And they were off a lot of the start of this season. And are, as much as people are licking their bits at the moment, I'm not as impressed as everybody else is. I, I just, I'm just not. Like they're boring, they're sterile, they're ruthless, and they've got a very good squad. I don't think they're. I, I, I think they lose the FA Cup final, by the way, which might be quite funny. Um, and I think they're taking the Champions League win for for granted, maybe because I'm an Inter fan. But coming back to Arsenal, is that? Do you feel the same way, Josh? Like, do you feel like? This was I, one shot. I probably not as final as that. I think. Also, look at our squad age. Average squad age was twenty four. Mm. If we can keep the core of that squad together, when the average age is then twenty eight for that core, that's three seasons away. That's still mm. a hell of a lot of work that's been going on. And who knows? City may have maybe in um, National League North at that point. Uh, after you know all the um, chickens come home to roost with all of their financial um, irregularities, <laughs> I believe is a, what we've got to call them. But I think the analogy I used actually this morning, um, where I was chatting to Jock um, for the podcast, I put it similarly to you know the almost invincibles group that we had. We had a stunning season. 
as the almost invincibles who won the league. But there's still part of you that looks at that one that was in the defeats column and go, what if? What if? And I think that's what we see with this season is we had a spectacular season. But you look at the, oh yeah, but we could have. We could have done that. And I think partly what caused that was the fixture calendar. City were always two or three games behind. So there was never really that change in the table that you would normally see because City were always tended to be on course to be level on points with us or above. There was only, I think it was the game that we had against them later in the what, April. That was where it properly went over that their games in hand started to tick above what their total points total would be versus what we could attain. Um, and again, the run they went on was extraordinary and boring in the sense of, I probably not if you're a Man City fan, seeing 14 wins in a row or whatever it was. Um, I think it was one what, couple of draws in there. Brentford, Spurs, uh, oh, and all of the away games in the Champions League were all draws as well. But then went and smashed those teams respectively at home by six or seven goals. And I think that's the that's the thing. It was that kind of inevitability. I think I was always kind of sitting a little bit back maybe caught up in the hype but I think the realists just looked and went they're gonna go and they start ticking there's some fixtures that I'd question could they see through and the only reason it was it came down to five points which I thought would be the gap in the end was because City had already won it two games prior you know, there was no oh well you know Brighton held them I mean I was at the game the City were kind of in not first gear and they weren't in top yet. They were like in third gear. They were somewhere in between. If they needed to win that game, they they could have won that game. If they really wanted to, they could have really pushed. And I think exactly probably the same for the, what was it, Brentford, their last game of the season. I think, again, if they really wanted to win that game, they could have done. But they've got other things, got other irons in the fire. And to be honest, I think they win. They, they'll, they'll pick up the treble. And the one thing that I really want them to do with the treble is then it leaves only one record left. And the debate of who's the best Premier League side ever only now Mm. comes down to two. It's either the Man City treble winning team or the Invincibles. Well, they they would have to be invincible to match, wouldn't they? Exactly. They would have to be invincible to get close to Mm. it. Man United 99 team completely dropped out now. That's not in the conversation because City have Mm. matched it. And you would say that is a better side because of the points total they got. Uh, in the mm. league this season. So that's the only redeeming feature I can see of the juggernaut of City pulling together the uh, the treble. But oh, as I say, yeah, my, the analogy for it is we had a superb season, but there was always that what if. Mm. Um, perhaps my what if is slightly different to everybody <laughs> else's. My yeah. what if is how the hell did we mess up the Europa League? Mm, how? Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I said it at the time when we had Sporting Lisbon or do you go for the Premier League? Mm. And I was taking Europa League. Absolutely I, I was, a proper run in there. I was more annoyed at the away leg than the home leg of the Sporting game because they were there for the taking in that away leg. Mm. Oh. Uh, and, we, um, and, and we wouldn't have had, you know, we lost Saliba and I don't, uh, you know, Oh, he's talking about French players again, Claxon. I mean, but, it's the only one. 
that he can well, yeah, in the true. squad. That is true, actually. That is very true. <laughs> and what a one. But, but losing him, I would argue, was was as big, if not bigger, than when we lost Jesus, because we just don't have another mm. centre-back that partners as well with Gabriel, other than Ben White. And then if you take him out, you have to move somebody else to, to right-back. I think that um, whole game was bad because obviously we lost Tommy Yasu in the same game as yeah, well. Good, it was just it was just a really off, yeah. I think it's just a really freaky game, like mm. we're gonna talk about it, because obviously like the the long shot from the sporting player that sort of chipped Andrew Ramsdale. That, if he, if that happened ten times, Ram does Ramsdale doesn't get beaten. Like mm. he, he he doesn't at all. So it was just a really it was just a bad game altogether. Like the two injuries that we picked up. Um, because I remember, I think Josh and I were speaking in the group, and we was remember. I think um, was that the game that Gabriel Jesus was only was meant to play sixty minutes, but he had to yeah, come off at half time. Oh yeah, because we had made yeah, yeah. the two substitutions. So right, that, yeah. everything about that game was just a bit weird. Um, yeah, and yeah, I think like that, that game kind of collapsed us. Sorry, guys. I was going to say, remember that Sheffield Wednesday game. All those oh, years yeah. ago, where we had Oxley, we lost Chamberlain what, and Oxley, Chamberlain, Walcott, and then what another? We had three injuries in the first twenty minutes. In that really dumb Puma kit with the Durex stripes at the side, Durex, Dulux, Durex. I've got yeah. in the brain. Um, <laughs> yeah, the stripes of it. That was a weird kit. That was, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, that Hillsborough. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah three that, injuries in the first twenty minutes, wasn't it? It was insane, and yeah, Sporting felt exactly the, it was flashbacks of that game. But Carl, yeah, yeah go on with your. I, uh, I just felt that. Going back to that time, I just felt that the away leg, we, we shipped two really crappy goals. and we I think Saliba scored in the away leg, didn't he, actually? We were leading that game twice and we shipped two silly goals. And if we'd have gone out there, I think we, we had a couple of really good chances. If we would have won that away leg, we could have rested those players at home. And and you know, I know it's ifs, buts and maybes. And and that is where I want to bring it back full circle to you, Fem, about you know the, the missed opportunity. I still can't quite get my head around what happened with Liverpool and West Ham. You can point to the fact that Liverpool, you know, oh, it's always a tough place to go, blah, 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 blah. Bullshit. Man City don't have any problems. It, it It's it's just, I, I think the thing I can't quite stomach about those two games, I think Southampton was different. I don't know if you were at that game, but that felt very different because it was a Friday night. It was like, we all expected 6-0, like, and it was just a freak. Like, that was just a freak, stupid game. But the West Ham game and the Liverpool game are the two for me. And not not just, you know, Saka's penalty misses. Is, is, that, for me, was pressure. That's all that was. You know, any other time of the day, he scores that. The Liverpool game and the West Ham game, that struck me as a team that were far too comfortable because they rolled out. Was it Fulham the week before? We rolled out and basically blew them away in 20 minutes. Then we were just on the beach for the rest of the game. And we took that mentality. We almost got too relaxed. And I and I, I think, think to myself how intense Arteta is. I just don't know where those two performances came from. And I guess that's what worries me about that slight bit of mentality and that, you know, you know what they say about you only win stuff when you've won something and how like Mourinho won the League Cup and like, Ten Hag's won the League Cup and they all start small and then they go on to. That's my worry with this team. Yes, the age is on our side. Yes, the coach is on our side. The financial backing's there. The fans are on side. It's all positive vibes, but we haven't won anything. Um, and I'm discounting the FA Cup because it feels like a different era. But do you do you do you sort of see where I'm coming from in terms of you being at the game? Yeah, it's important that what Carl was saying that this atmosphere stays, isn't it? We have to 
stay in this mentality into next season, even if we start the season, and maybe we do get two draws and a defeat in the first six. Do you know what I mean? It's going to be extremely difficult to start the season as well as we did this season. We're basically almost perfect mm. for the first half of this season. You know, we're, we're at a ridiculous pace. You know, we're breaking all sorts of records. So, like you're saying, if you, it's rare. I mean, that's like first or second time that that's ever happened in the league that a team amounts that amount of wins and points that early on. And if that's an anomaly, then <clears throat> like you're saying, we have to make sure that if we don't start as well, how are we going to cope with it? Are we going to buckle under a different type of pressure, which is, you know, oh, you're not, you're not going to do as good as you did last season. Th- those are the that's going to start very early on because it's it's difficult to start as well as we did this season. It's it's, it's really hard. But one thing I I mean, Josh, you were talking about the um, almost invincible season. Do you remember the pre-invincible season, 2003 mm. season, mm. where Arsene Wenger first said, oh, I think we can go unbeaten. Yeah. And everyone laughed at him. Yeah. And, <laughs> and we didn't win the league that season. And then the next season, we went unbeaten. You know, we have to find some sort of something not to, you know, something to motivate us. Let, let me put it like that. Something to keep the fire in the belly, not just we have to we have to try and get that disappointment out very, very quickly. You know, what and, do you um, think that that motivation is in the league, especially new signings, new signings? Mm. That's that's what's going to bring it. New signings will give you that impetus, hungry signings, you know, signings that have not that have not played at this level before. You know, you know, we'll, I'm sure we'll come on to transfers in a minute, but that is something that will that will fire up signings that will that are pushing for first team places, not not signings that are ready to to supplement the bench, if you see what I mean, or replace bench players. Signings that are ready to to say, no, I want that place. That's what's going to push us to that I think motivation again. That's what surprised me about Trossard when he came in, is he showed a level of hunger he had never shown at Brighton. Mm. Um, and just... He's not even shown that hunger at Belgium level. There was something that coming into that squad has done to these players. Even Jorginho. Look at Jorginho. He looks fired up every time. And he's won it all. Yeah, Mm. he looks so fired up. And even the games that he wasn't playing, you see him on the touchline conducting traffic. You know, he was was basically in a miserable team, you know, and he's come to another level. Even though you think Chelsea's a that level we were playing and we were all our players are motive you know something in that squad must be firing them up to push their level up as well we could win it i think you know once you start thinking actually we could win it you start you do start playing a little bit better you know if you're a bit tired you start running a little bit further a bit, a bit faster you start putting yourselves into little bit, uh challenges that you may not not of because you start losing i think like you said, you just saying, Chris, so for cutting you off. Like if you're if you're losing, you're not happy. I mean, you look at the contrast to the Chelsea squad to our squad. You know, Chelsea are always losing. Their body language is is a hell of a lot. You see them down there, just can't be bothered. And the contrast to Arsenal. Like mm. we got a goal down, and you've got Zinchenko trying to whip up the crowd. You've got everyone trying to you know, do stuff to to for us to cheer. And I think that's what helps the squad. 
you know, if we're not winning and everyone's just like, oh, boo, like no one cares, that transports onto the um, the players. But straight away, we the other team scores and we start winning and we're, we're happy. And even to the point of social media, did or every single player reads social media. They don't care what they're saying. They yeah. they see like us, like oh, I can't wait for us. We could do it. Blah blah blah. They see that. They see that we're praising Zinchenko. We're praising Ben White. We're praising all the players. And that must think to yourself, actually, do you know what? Let's just do it for the fans. Let's do, actually do this. And like you said, if you've got Arteta giving you the belief that we could actually go and and win this, because maybe in public they weren't talking about winning the league. But behind the scenes, all the players in the dressing room, there's no way they're not talking about it. Mm. Yeah, I agree with that. Sorry. No, I completely agree with that. And like you say, social media, you know, they all they all have accounts. Um, probably just like Dave Smith, 82, at, you know, like they're not going to be their real names, but they have agents, they have publicists, they have PR. You know, there's people that tell them what, what's going on. That's why there's such a big thing about you know, abuse on players and stuff, because they all read it. Absolutely. Let's um let let's tap into that that dreaded sort of word of transfers. And what I don't want to do is spend twenty minutes just talking about you know all the speculation because I think I think we've already been linked with approximately four thousand eight hundred and sixty three players in the last four days alone as it is. So let let's just look at like the here and now. Um, let's talk outgoings first, Josh. The the ones that seem to be a lock at this stage. So it, it seems like the great secret is out you know the granite shaker is going to move on i think even i think even um was it puma i think tweeted a thing saying you know last two goals in an arsenal shirt what a way to go or something like that and they deleted it and you know it's very clear that that granite has made a decision and i i personally feel like this decision was made maybe a year ago um that you know, sort of arteta said you know give me one more season or whatever it might be and it's no coincidence to me that he's going to go and play under xabi alonso who's Arteta's best mate. So if we take it for red that he's going to go, and I think the other two that are pretty obvious are Kieran Tierney and and, um, Rob Holding. Any other outgoings that you would foresee? I I feel like we have to talk about the Balogun situation. Um, Mm. I'm not convinced about the Emil Smith-Rowe discussion this week. You know, David Onstein saying there's no absolutely no intention of selling him. They're gonna say that because his value at the moment is about four quid and a packet of peanut scratchings. So, any other players in that squad that you think are either on the chopping block or would at least be considered as outgoings if the right I offer would, came in? I would put almost a blanket um, cover over players who are out on loan at the moment mm. that are first team players, all gone. Yeah, agreed. all of them. Um, other than Balogun, which is where the kind of question lies about he's making all the noises that he wants first team football, mm. but let's get him back in that dressing room for pre-season. That's mm. the question. Let's really see what he wants to do. There's a similar thing going on at the moment with um, Levi Colwell at mm. Chelsea. Again, Chelsea fans, they want him back in that dressing room under Pochettino, have him talking to him and say, convince him he can compete with another first-choice player that would be, um, was it Basha deal? Badia Shile, um, yeah, yeah. Badia yeah. Shile that's there. Isn't he, isn't he like, injured at the moment? <laughs> didn't he get injured? He is, yeah. Um, yeah. Fafana as well, yeah. Big injury, yeah. didn't he? Yeah, but that's potentially he comes back in third choice. But generally going back to uh, the Arsenal situation, I think Balogun, 
get him in that dressing room immediately, let him have his holiday, and then we'll we'll sort it out towards the end of the window. Um, if you still want to go after doing preseason with us, we've got Champions League football is going to be rotation. Jesus doesn't have to be a starting striker. I think there's still opportunity for resting Martinelli. We've seen that Trossard can play anywhere around um, that kind of forward line. I think the one for me that I'm not quite sure about, and I think we've got a question on it, is Reese Nelson. Mm. For me, I th- think it feels like we shouldn't we shouldn't kind of pursue that. I feel like uh, I feel like we should let him go on a free. See, I don't. I really don't. I, I do. <laughs> I yeah. just don't. I don't see the point. <laughs> I just so, think he's. I just feel like this season, although he's had limited opportunities, yeah. his injuries have come at bad times again. But I, I feel like there's a player in there. And you know where we've also got players that start. could be. A, that's the thing for me. If yeah, we, but we we don't have wingers, do we? We don't. In the have academy, wingers. we do. Yeah, but they're not ready to. They're not ready to step. But then talking I mean, about taking Nelson minutes, that's Carabao Cup first rounds, FA Cup third round kind of games. We're really but, but Nelson plays. Nelson plays Champions League uh, dead rubbers as well in FA Cup games. I mean, um, that's where he made his debut, didn't he? Along with Maitland well, yeah, yeah. Niles and um, was it Irish legend uh, Stefan O'Connor as well? I think also <laughs> played again that Galatasaray game. So I think there's going to be opportunities, but I think. For me, it's about bringing through the youth, especially as it seems he's to 23. be. He's 23. Yeah. That was enough for Patrick Bamford to be gone from Chelsea. Oh, don't talk to me about Patrick Bamford. He can <laughs> rot in there the Champions League with a little rat. <laughs> but but what, I, what I mean with Nelson, though, is if you you were talking about the the the, the fat Adama Traore at Leeds earlier on, Nonto, like you'd have to pay fifty million to get him out of there. You've got—I oh, no don't way. think he's any better than Reese Nelson is right they now. Just, Leeds were just trying to, or their owner was leveraging their stadium for twenty-six million. <laughs> yeah, fine. Is, he's another <laughs> yeah. piece of work. But um, I, I just—I'm not—I'm not saying that Reese Nelson should be taking Gabby Martinelli or Saka's place. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying, you know, he—he—if he can compete for that place, it's almost like another elephant in the room. It's the Eddie and Katia situation. If you know, if he wants to stay and he is happy to stay at 23 years of age, his best years are ahead of him. And I just think if he contributes five goals and three assists, you know, in an, in an eight or nine month spell, then that's decent. If you can keep him on fairly good wages, he proved at Feyenoord, albeit in a, a slightly inferior league. You know, look at what Xavi Simmons has done in 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 Holland, by the way. You know, and and people are talking about him as a hundred million pound player now. I know he is a different level. I agree with that. But players can thrive. And Balogun has done the same in League 1. Whatever, however many people want to say it's a Farmers League. Who won the uh, Who won the Premier League again this year? Uh, who won the Bundesliga again this year? Anyway, moving on. Um, but then the, the, the problem you've got is, the problem you've got is, are you then prepared for the fact that Arteta doesn't trust a lot of these players enough to well, start them over certain players? Because that's the issue, yeah. one of the things that we have is, we're saying Saka looks tired sometimes he goes through mm. these spells where he looks tired but he plays every single game he's played like almost 80 Premier League games in a row mm. which is like crazy to be honest with you but do you, does Arteta trust Reese Nelson enough to start him to, oh and and rest Saka for a full game say oh, you know you're, definitely you're not. I, that's the thing is if Reese Nelson was a left-footed right winger 
Absolutely, mm. sign him straight up. We've got the gap yeah, yeah. there. I'd rather be putting the wages into getting someone in who can adequately cover Saka. Because mm-hmm. that's the elephant in the room, isn't it? Is uh, we need cover on the wing. Well, actually, we don't need mm. cover on the left flank because we've got Trossard, we've got Martinelli, we've got Gabby Jesus can play there, especially if we can convince Balogun to stick around. But we've got I, I think, that side sewn up. Nelson, I think with Balogun... Sorry, go there. Yeah, I just don't think... It's one of those, the contracts we want him to sign, and I think if he does sign it, he has, a, for the second time in his Arsenal career, been poorly advised if he signs a contract with us. Mm. Because we had that opportunity. We remember when we set up all those loan deals for him and he said, no, I'll fight for my place. And we yeah, had seven was, wingers yeah. in front of him. Mm. It could be exactly the same. That The players that you've to- spoken about that are doing great things is getting game time. He's not mm. going to get even close to a quarter of the game time that Xavi Simmons is getting or that Balogun got it wrong. It's just not, it's not going to be close to that. But would you have, would you have said the same? I want to touch on Balogun in a second, but just to sort of round up on Nelson, it, could there be an argument of the Martinelli effect here? Because let's be honest until the back end of last season, when he got that goal at Chelsea and he was on that hot streak, when we went into the first game of this season at Palace, would any of you three, I'll, I'll include myself in this, have said that Martinelli was a guaranteed starter? Because I wouldn't have. I thought he was, uh, you know, I thought he was a hu- uh, you know, hugely potential. We were all talking about him as a backup striker to Jesus and move him inside, make him central. And he's been arguably one of our top four or five players this whole season and has become a Brazil international and, and is, is going great guns. But he was he was where Reese Nelson was at the back end before the back end of last season. He was he was a squad player and he took yeah. his chance. So is that is there an argument that Nelson could do the same in a good preseason? And you know, I, I mean, you've I seen what's I happened. To like, I feel like we'd have seen Reese Nelson get that chance already. But Carl, mm. I don't know what you're say. I was saying I don't feel I like if you're thinking is Reese Nelson going to take anyone's starting position in the Arsenal squad? It's going to be no. Like, he's not mm. going to take Sackers, he's not going to take Martinelli. The only thing I would say is this season, next season, because the season already started, um, we're going to be playing a lot more games, and I don't think Arteta is going, I don't, I hope, like it's not going to start throwing games. Mm. By that, I mean, we have to challenge on all fronts. Now, if you've got, I don't know, a... Um, Champions League away game on a, on a Wednesday and then come back to play because our scheduling probably be a lunchtime kickoff on a Saturday. You have to understand that as much as I like to think Arteta has learned from this season, Saka cannot play every single game. Now, you know, would that like, um, I think um, Femi just said, would he trust to put Reese Nelson in at, on the start again, away against, I don't know, um, an Everton or somewhere like Luton. that. Luton. Luton. Like, you'd think, yeah, like, would he trust me something to play on the right Luton. wing um, uh, Luton away? Like, I, I don't know. Like, but... Luton's I back think, garden. <laughs> I think you have to understand, and I think what Josh is alluding to as well, that Saka cannot, cannot play every single game next season. He just can't. Like, no. and surely we could all see it. But I think Femi said it, hit nail on the head. Does, um, does Arteta trust any of his players outside the, um, his first team, outside the 14 or 15, does he trust anyone to come in? I think he's, I think he's starting to, to change a little bit. You, you think to yourself of um, 
Kivior coming in uh, over Tierney. Like he, he's obviously starting to trust him. I think um, he's got his go-to players, and that's the players that he he just plays no matter what. Um, I think you look at it on on a broader scale. We're going to be playing a lot more games, and I think we'll be sticking it in. I think, like Josh said, away in the League Cup games, are you going to is Nelson content with doing that first third round in the um, FA Cup in January? Is he content doing that? The dead rubber games in the Champions League, is he okay starting? Those I don't games? think that. I want to jump in quickly on Champions League. There will be possibly only one dead rubber Champions League game because we're in pot three. We're not pot one or pot two. We're well, going to get a difficult Champions League draw because what not necessarily. we always do. We always we draw, do. If we draw Bayern Munich, which is inevitable because you know that's going to happen and we've lost the first three, then I'd, I'd argue we've got three dead rubbers because <laughs> we're already going to be out of it. <laughs> yeah, possibly. It could be that. We'll be fighting for third. But yeah. Yeah. Um, that's what I mean in terms of every game in that Champions League is going to be a high quality game. It's not like, remember when we used to go into the Champions League and inevitably we'd draw Olympiacos and we could play our backup team against them. It's, you know, we might still draw Olympiacos, but we'll have probably Inter Milan and uh, Bayern Munich, as you say, Chris, in our group. Mm. Yeah, I'm sure someone will pick me up and say we can't draw Inter and Bayern, but oh, of course, there'll swivel. always be somebody. I think you'll find if you turn to five, <laughs> I think you'll find hand, that Inter, Inter are actually already in it, but oh, I don't yeah, care. well, exactly. Uh, yeah, yeah I, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. What, what, what about the Balogun situation then? Because somebody picked it up in the chat. Um, I don't know who it was now. I'll try and find out because I want to give them credit because they were thinking exactly what I was. It was, of course, it was Avon. Of course it was Avon. It's always Avon. Um, there's a marketing potential for Balogun. Um, and I know I know that you obviously you have to put the football first because that's the sport, you know, it's not about selling shirts, etc. But this lad might just be the first USA centre forward that they can actually rely on. You know, this he might actually be the poster boy of US. Uh, soccer like um christian pulisic was for before he signed for chelsea when he's at dortmund now that opens up quite a lot of opportunities for us not just commercially but also in terms of recruitment um you know we already brought in the lad who's on loan at birmingham from um austin trusty i think he's on loan still um we've got matt mm. turner you know, there is that is an untapped market and if you're if you've got a player who is essentially the lead striker for us men's national team is there an argument, um, I'll ask you on this one, Fem, is there an argument that maybe it's Eddie who should be looking over his shoulder? Because I, d- I don't want to bury players and I don't want to have a go at players. Eddie did a fantastic job when he came in, but then his form went absolutely off a cliff. Like, as soon as Jesus was back, he may as well have not been there. And I and I don't, I don't know if I blame Eddie for that, because I'm thinking, well, you know, I've come in, I've, I've done well, I've got goals and then Jesus is back and I'm gone again. Like, how would you feel? But I think I, I think the stat is he's never scored as a substitute for Arsenal. I think that's, I think I'm right in saying. Um, yeah, and he's not, right. he's not going to start. games or something like that. Yeah. So, I that's mean, is there, is there an argument that you say to Balogun at the end of the season, look, we want to keep you because there is potential there. And I still see people on Twitter now saying we can command sixty million for Balogun. No, we can't. No, we can't. We'll get we'll get twenty five to thirty max. That's it. I would rather keep him and take the English premium on Enketia, where 
there would be a market for Nketi, wouldn't there? You know, you look at like a West Ham, a, a Burnley. Um, do you know what? Do you know Everton. what stops it, Chris? I think he's a hundred grand wages. Mm. Um, he's not <laughs> moving. Gave him that he's, contract. he's not moving for less than a hundred grand. He's not, and I don't mm. know any other like the teams you just mentioned who's going to pay Eddie and Kessie a hundred grand. I, I don't. I, I just don't Chelsea see probably it. would. <laughs> yeah, a they're a stupidest team, but sadly, but I just don't. Alice, I do you think they pay him a hundred grand? How much like, if they're they they're trying to give Zaha 200, 200, aren't they? And the only way I can see that is if, I mean, I don't think it really happens anymore, but if we do a bit of a swap with, we'll talk about signings in a minute, but uh, Mark Gahey, like um, mm. if we subsidise Edgy's wages, send him on there, we get um, we get Mark over from Palace, maybe. we. I, I don't know. Like, well, Eze, what, maybe, as well. He's, Ed, he's, Ed, he's Oh, he's Yeah, he's good, but he's not coming. Like, no. Palace would be stupid to get rid of him. But mm. um, that's the only thing. But I just think Eddie's wages are really... Uh, will prevent him from going. And I think the time for loaning is finished. Like, you can't loan Eddie in Ketira anymore. Like, you, he's at a level, he's at an age where you've got to sell him... Um, and but I would like a different kind of striker. I would like a, a tall striker um, because I think that we need a, a different way of playing. And I think there's a lot of uh, again talking about rumours that a striker is not necessarily on Arteta's um, shopping list, and that could be potentially because of Balogun coming back into the squad. I mean, it remains to be seen, doesn't it? It has to be, doesn't it? Because we can't, we cannot go through next season without. An alternative to Jesus, can we? We I'd, just can't. Like, I'd probably say though, it's not in my top three of positions mm. I'd look to get cover for. I, I would, I see, I would. I know I've been banging this drum for a while, but a, mm. you know, I, I look, I looked at the goal that Olivier Giroud scored for Milan against Juve the other night, and I went, I, w- I wouldn't give to have a prime Giroud back, you know, and not just him. I mean, obviously he's, you know, naturally he is gorgeous, but not just that. His his ability, okay, he was a big, tall front man, but he wasn't just, let's just lump it long, you know, like uh, people, uh, sorry, John, if you're watching this, John, I'm sorry. Tammy Abraham ain't it. I'm sorry, he's not. He's oh, God, no. He's absolutely Did you see him yesterday? Jesus, he was dog shit yesterday. But there's a definition between a big front man and as Giroud, or, you know, you look at what Zlatan did in, in his prime, just because you're big and tall and physical, Giroud was brilliant at holding the ball up. He was brilliant at laying it off. He was brilliant at linking the attack. He was brilliant if he needed a bit of shitter out of he need roll around going, oh, fuck my hell, whatever he needs. He was great at that. We don't have that. Um, if Calvert-Lewin could stay fit, I would have maybe taken a gamble. He's made of glass. Forget him. But surely... Surely there has to be a, another option. Leave him alone. Is just the same He's not as... coming. No, maybe I'm jumping in the way. No, <coughs> oh, how about oh. Evan Ferguson? Well, well, yeah, but but that's what I mean. That <laughs> type it. of there is still a place <laughs> yeah. in the game. Look at what City have got up front. He's a fucking mm. robot for Christ's sake, you know. And but but what what is Haaland? like when you actually look at him? Other than a very weird looking pig faced bloke who blatantly knows Norwegian me meat shield, I believe is the technical term. If they meet shield, there you go. Yeah. He he is undoubtedly talented, but you you wouldn't look at him and say he is you know he's the modern day striker, would you? He's just a, a he's just a phenom, but he's physical. That's what gets him the goals. 
his positioning, him being able to to move into those positions and hold off players and, and be physical at pace. Like, we don't have that, do we? <clears throat> yeah, one thing about Balogun that I'll say is I know someone that knows he's, um, he's agent and he always used to talk about him even before he signed his last contract at Arsenal. He used to tell me, oh, yeah, no, nah, they've got a proper plan for the kid, like a career mm. plan for him. Yeah. And we're seeing that that that's that's coming true which is they just have this plan which is they go according to their own time frame where they're going to go and nothing mm. seems to change um with that and i think he's kind of made up his mind or they've made up their mind that his time at arsenal is is finished mm. so and also with eddie although i'd i'd like to see him get you know pushed out i think there will be a stubbornness with Edu and Arteta having given them a contract yeah, that big last year that, mm. yeah, to make it work for at least one more year. And then they'll think, okay, we scored 88 goals this season, which is mm. ridiculous. It's quite a lot, isn't it? Yeah. But we'd have to go some, I mean, con- considering our two strikers only contributed, what what did Jesus, 11, 15 yeah, of those 88 yeah. between the two of them? That that's some going that we got that that high of a number. So, of course, they're like I think that's what Josh might be thinking is that's one position they might be willing to do a a sacrifice in terms that's, of all, all the other things they have to do. Maybe that's what I'm thinking is looking at Granite Xhaka is moving out of there. Mm. If you can replace Granite Xhaka with a player of a stature, similar stature, but with more of an eye for goal. Then which is not Declan Rice, enough. No, which is why I've got a question on the Declan Rice, where does he play in this? Mm. Could it be Thomas Partey pushing him further mm. up? Mm, I think looking so. for that kind of... Please that's not. what he was doing at Mallorca, he wasn't had, he? Yeah, and Athletic Madrid as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He yeah was I know his, box, his shooting a... isn't necessarily the... Um, <laughs> the best, but maybe, Femi, if we bring him closer to goal, he'll be better. <laughs> he'll get more. Uh, and I don't know if anybody, uh, I think it's not a spoiler for Ted Lasso if I just say Isaac's penalty. And people will know if they've caught up on the latest last Ted Lasso on what occurs on there. But I was thinking of a similar Thomas Partey situation. Um, if you bring him closer to goal, it'll be fine. Um, sorry to all those without Apple TV, but also sorry, I'm not going to give any spoilers away. Sorry, not um, But yes. That's where I think it's just about that other midfielder is who's that other player that's going to come in. If they can contribute more goals and more assists than Jacker, well, it's, well, it's then Smith we're Rowe, raising the it? ceiling. It's Smith is Rowe, it? isn't it? But, but that's is the it? problem. Six, well, that, he's six that's foot, my, he's six that's foot, my question. Isn't he? Oh, sorry. Yeah. He's five foot 12, if you look on the Premier <laughs> League site. <laughs> um, but, but he, he, he should have been that. And if it wasn't him, it was Fabio Vieira. Um, well, it's and all not Vieira, sudden, is he? Because he's not got that aerial ability. The guy no. looks like he's... Um, He's yeah. just too wiry. I, I still, yeah. and I know, I know some people are are open to the idea of letting Vieira go. I'm, I'm personally not. I think he, I think he's a player whose confidence suffered the longer the season went this year. But he, he showed enough in the early part of the season to me that says he, he needs to bulk up. Like he needs to be more I physical. I think it's, again, Arteta not trusting him because there were so many games he that he could have come yeah, in. Yeah. And Arteta yeah. just didn't play. And I think Arteta's got to start trusting got the players him. more. Like, he has to. Um, you know, if we're 2 new up and we've 20 minutes mm. to go, take off Granite Jacker mm. and, and bring on mm. Vieira. Take off Martin Odegaard and, and bring on Vieira. I think he's got to 
start doing that. We've got five substitutions that we can make. Mm, and, you know, he, he has to start using them, like, rotating a, a lot. I think, um, you know, if we're looking to someone to play in the quote-unquote Granit Xhaka role, are we looking for someone a little bit more attacking? You know, mm. and I, we, we, there's been names banded about, um, Mason Mount, there's been um, James Madison, um, you know, those sort of players banded about. Tillemans is not the one, and if we sign Tillemans, I, I'm not going to lie, I won't be happy. But he's, um, he's, yeah, he's a rubbish but, player, he's overrated, he's not a free. We'll see him sign for Juventus next week. <laughs> I, I actually think he's not rubbish but I know what you mean he, he's, um, he's not yeah. the wages. he was the one so, 18 months ago he's, he's probably not yeah. now yeah. so if you're looking at maybe Rice taking Partey's place which I think will happen if we do sign Declan Rice um, do we want a more attacking player playing next to Rice to you know be going forward a little bit more or do we need a balance? Because obviously Granit Xhaka was told to go a little bit more forward this season and he managed to get, what is it, nine goals this season he got? Yeah. You know, so it's do 10. we need... Hit double it ten? figures. It's a 10, oh, okay. Second goal made at 10. Jeez. So do we need someone a little bit more attacking? Like, I don't know what Kai said. I guess you're the best person to place to talk about this, Josh. If we had Caicedo and Rice in midfield, does Caicedo, if he plays a little bit more higher, give us five, six, seven goals this um, in the season. They're very, they're very similar, mm. as in Rice and Caicedo. The difference is one's five foot nine and the other one is six foot something. Um, mm. That's the main difference, I think. If we get both of them, I still think we're still missing that. Um, what I'm talking about is basically we want a more attacking version of Granite Xhaka and neither of those players are a more attacking version of Xhaka. There's, there's another um, one at West Ham, like a Lucas Paqueta, isn't it? Yes, that is exact. That's probably, yeah. I would say, a player of it's you're looking at Paqueta, formerly knows has put in the person I'd be going after. McAllister <laughs> is the guy who'd have thought, that, who'd have thought it? It's like my profile picture, it's like I'm a, absolutely obsessed with the kid. Um, but it's that kind of player, if you know what I mean. If if McAllister was six foot one and quite good in the air then immediately he's a no-brainer to be in that position. Mm-hmm. So, then why do we, so why do we want to repurpose Emil Smith-Rowe into that position unless it's to take those minutes? But I, Because yeah. I just don't see... I love Smith-Rowe. I just don't see how he fits. I just look at Granite Xhaka and his engine, for example. I can't mm. see Emil Smith-Rowe... I think that's yeah, why you've um, got Xhaka there. Uh, so not Xhaka. It's why you've got Rice coming in because mm. he's got the legs part he doesn't anymore. He can yeah. shuttle a lot better. But also Rice is um, a, a party as the older party gets and the older Xhaka's got, the less mobile they are. Rice is, he's very mobile for a big guy, isn't he? Like he covers mm. ground. He's an athlete and he'll run for days. The the thing I can't get, like Fem was just saying there, with um, with Smith Rowe, um, I said this like two years ago, um, and I still might be wrong, so this is not a, a backslapping competition. But I I said I saw Wilshire in in Smith Rowe when he came through, and I didn't That's just a scoop, mean, isn't it? Yeah, but Sorry. what I mean is, I, did, I didn't Sorry. just mean I didn't just mean in like his style and the way he looks, the way he carries the ball. I also meant 
the injuries and the 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 lack of progression. When Jack first came in, he was just he was everything. He was the new Fabregas, wasn't he? He was everything we ever wanted, and his career just slowly went like that. And yeah, a lot of it with Jack was the injuries, and I know with Smith Rowe, he's only had this one big injury. But to me, and I know this is just like um, I don't know if any of you guys have thought this as well, but to me, I know it's a visual thing, but when I see a player who's been out, you know, out with a an, an injury for so long. And then he comes back in the middle of May and he's got that long sleeve fucking undershirt on, his socks rolled down, looks a bit, you know, he just looks, he doesn't look like he's ready. Do you know what I mean? And I, I say, I know that's a visual thing, but he just looks to me like he's carrying a bit away. It's just not quite there. He just doesn't look like a player who who's ready. Do you, do you know what I mean? I, I, maybe it's just me that feels I, that I think way. he's I the. I think he's the one that's getting the Martinelli treatment. It's not Nelson. I mm. think he's the one that's going to come in next season, and we've been holding him back for a very good reason. I think it's it probably down to properly testing that fitness that he's got. And okay, we're not doing it in games. We're just pushing him in training because remember, you know, a game is just ninety minutes during the week. Um, there's so much other work, fitness work that we're probably putting him through to make sure that he is truly over the injuries that he's got. Um, so you reckon I they know, wrote him off this season? I reckon they just said, we'll bring you in if we're absolutely desperate, which is what it was. I think every time we've seen Smith throw is... Like? No, until uh, until the Wolves game. I think that's the mm. longest minutes he's had this season um, mm. since coming back from injury. Uh, I think Stan, the man's put it in the uh, in the chat. It's the age old <laughs> thing. He is like a new signing. Yeah. Um, hate to kind of fall back on that trope, but which is what Balogun really would does... be if he came back as well. Yeah, yeah. And with, it... with the injury stuff, I've, I, I hear what you're saying about Jack. I think Jack had a lot of high impact injuries. Yeah, I true. Think ESR reminds me more of a Gail Clichy slash Steven Gerrard type who, who had like a lot of injuries when they were younger as well. Because I remember yeah. Gail Clichy, he used to be permanently injured and then all of a sudden he was just he was just fixed. You he know? grew into his body, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. yeah Gerard, what you Gerard's you're right actually very yeah, similar Gerard to used to get lower groin injuries and the same type mm. of things and then he grew into his body and he he was like yeah. a machine. So you know let, let's see let's see. I'm I'm glad he's staying, you know. Let's 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 see I, what I, happens really. I hope he does and I say I'm not burying him. I think he's a hugely talented player and he was arguably the Martinelli of what Martinelli was this season last season, you know that goal scoring sort of ability and, and that that ability to receive the ball and under pressure and move it on through the midfield. Um, I just feel like this preseason's massive for him. He needs to really get his head down and work hard. There, there's clearly something in this off the pitch lifestyle because Arteta keeps bringing it up. Um, there's clearly something has gone on there. I just hope that they, they get it sorted. Um, just to quickly draw a line under a couple of those other players. So Pepe is likely to go on a free transfer, which is just it's just so it's so old Arsenal isn't it like I'm so glad we passed those days you know signing players for 70 million out the door free um which is a shame because I still think there's a player there but obviously that's from a bygone era um two that I'm fascinated by the futures of uh one is Norton Cuffey who you may have seen a bit of Josh in the championship uh he was at Rotherham wasn't he and then ended up at at Coventry Mm -hmm. I think this kid is physically ready to play um, not first team football in terms of, you know, in the team every week, Premier League wise, 
but I think he's I think he's the sort of guy you can have on a bench and play those FA Cup games and whatnot, especially with Tommy Asu still being injured and we don't really have another right back. I feel like there's a space for him in the squad. And the other one is is Nuno Mendes, who uh, Nuno Mendes is um Nuno Tavares. Nuno Mendes would be nice, by the way. Uh, Nuno Tavares, who Marseille's coach Igor Tudor has said that he is going to leave. So he's leaving at the end of the season. Marseille are, are going to have to go through quite a rebuild in the summer again. Um, they're going to shift on a few players, Ganduzi being one of them. Um, and Tavares is scheduled to come back. How many of you would be interested in, in keeping him and having a look at him? Because he's not a left-back. Uh, in shock news, he still can't defend. Um, but what he can do is he can score goals. He's proven that at Marseille this season and he can contribute. Uh, he can also be very lazy and be found out. But would you maybe be interested in having him back as sort of a hybrid left wing back slash sort of alternative option on that left side? Because again, we don't have a huge amount behind Gabby Martinelli in that department and it might save us a few coins or is his goose cooked? Carl, you you jumped off mute there, is that? Yeah, I have a feeling I have a feeling his goose is cooked. I don't granted I haven't seen a lot of him playing France, and I think the only times I kind of saw him play was if I managed to catch a Marseille game on TV or he had scored, because I know he went through like a purple patch where he was like almost a top scorer in Liga, which is not very hard, like is it? Um, so, like, um, I... Um, goals, seven assists, by the way, this season, so, you know. And what did he do in the Premier League this season before? Anyway. He, he played holding midfield for Arsenal, so, hush. <laughs> <laughs> that's because he couldn't get to the box that's why <laughs> but um yeah I, I I just don't see him coming back into mm. into the squad I can't see Arteta integrating him back I just can't see it um I could be wrong but I, I don't think I am I think surely he's being touted to to sell um along um Along Sambi. with Sambi, I don't think Sambi comes back either. Maybe Sambi goes on loan to Burnley. I think that's uh, probably yeah, something that may, yeah, I think mm. that may be something that may happen. But no, I don't think it does. I think Arteta is someone who, I think once he's made up his mind about you, I think that's it. Mm. And I don't think, like Femi said, you know, there's a plan for sort of everyone in the squad. I don't think there's a plan for um, Sambi or Tavares. I think. He, they were sent out alone to make space in the squad. I think Sambi was sent out alone to get game time, definitely. Mm. But I think uh, Tavares was sent out alone because I don't think Arteta fancied him and it's probably too early to sell him. You know, try and raise up his value a little bit so maybe someone might go and buy him. Um, we'll see, but I just don't see him coming back into the squad and at least challenging for a, a place in the Arsenal Arteta team. Yeah, the, the, the trouble with Tavares is he's the modern day fullback. You know, he's the uh, he's the kind of Teo Hernandez. Into, well, actually, it's a bit harsh on Teo. He can defend, but he defending is not his strong suit. But he's brilliant, you know, on the counter, and he he's an athlete and he carries the ball. But when he's asked to defend, it's just not. It's yeah, it's a little bit terrifying. Um, I wonder if he could play on the right wing. No. Marseille tried that and it was a horrible, horrible mess. Well then, 
but we haven't got a Saka back up then. So that's it was a horrible <laughs> it's the only thing I was thinking. Is they switched Jonathan Klaus, who, who was one of the best right wing backs in Liga last season um, before he signed. Mm-hmm. He was at Lons, and they switched him to left back because of the right foot, left foot thing. Mm-hmm. And they put Nuno on the right, and honestly, it was like a it's like a flamingo doing doing hopscotch. It was it was <laughs> it was awful. It was just not good, not good at all. Yeah. Um, then I can only think that he's going to be. I'm just thinking about all the issues he had at Marseille in terms mm-hmm. of behind the scenes. Um, we've got quite a stable core of... Yeah. Uh, Arteta has a strong anti-dickhead policy and mm-hmm. I think he might just slightly toe the Him line of that. Sandy, from what yeah. I can gather. Yeah, they weren't, they weren't the most um, positive influences. Mm. Um, Same as João Cancelo. You know, if there's, a, if there's a grumpy player in the dressing room, mm. the, they're getting them out. Immediately. I would, I would though for Joe Cancelo. He, I think we all that, would, wouldn't we? He's that good, isn't he? Like you, you'd take a dickhead because he's that good. Um, Charlie Patino, anyone bothered about that? Because that seems to be nearing conclusion in terms of him moving on. It's a bit sad, isn't it? But you know, if, if Emerson Smith Rowe's not going to play, he's not going to play, is he? That's a really weird one because I I just didn't see that coming. Um, no. Obviously, he raved about at youth level. Um, his first half of the season on loan seemed to go really, really well. I don't know. I think mm. they had a couple of change of managers, maybe. Uh, yeah, what, was, changed, was it uh, Appleton? Was it Appleton who was the manager there? Or, or one of those types of footballing managers, anyway? Yeah. And then they it got... Was. Mick McCarthy, isn't it? Yeah, took over. Yeah, so yeah. I'm Mick. guessing that's why we didn't hear much about him anymore. <laughs> he went to scrub <laughs> in the changing rooms after yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so um, yeah. it's a bit of a sad one. Um, yeah. we should definitely put a, some sort of we don't usually do it, but some sort of buyback clause in there because mm-hmm. if he does reach the potential that he was raved about, it could be something special. He, he, I mean, he was special at youth level, but let's see. How he develops. Let's see. Uh, what, what do you think? Do you think he will hit a Premier League team, or do you think he's Championship made? Or, I think he'll. I think he'll hit Championship. Yeah, or he's some. He's either going to take Championship as first choice near the top of the table, or Luton. he'll be near the. Probably not Luton because they're expected to almost go straight back down. But I could see something in between. You know, kind of, United, that kind of like a like a second like, choice at Wolves almost someone who's probably going to comfortably stay up. I know I've just said and contradicted myself from earlier, but you know what I mean? It's that lower mid table team that will probably be safe. An Everton maybe. Yeah. Somewhere Mm. like that. That's where I could see Patino ending up at. And I'd say it's also a thing just to look at our Academy. We're now an elite, you know, we're back in the elite in Mm. terms of where we should be challenging. Remember back 10, probably 20 years ago now, and thinking about where all the great players that have come through our academy, they all had solid Premier League careers, but none of them would ever have got into our squad. They may have had one season when they were Henry out in like 27 or something. I think Steve Sidwell. Yeah. Um, Steve someone I bumped into last week, actually, Matthew Upson. Yeah. Again, the legend. For, for a season, at some point during his career, you would have said he would have been perfect first choice for Arsenal. Mm. But he would have been 25, 26. And that's the reason why he was there is because he's had 200 games somewhere else to then kind get of, to the level he needed to be at. It's kind of where Rob Holding is now, isn't it? Yeah, you know, I think it's sort of, exactly We've outgrown him to, to a degree. Like, like, <laughs> that kid at, um, at Milan that's always linked with us as well. He was in our... Benneker. 
benefit. Yeah, yeah. Again, having a solid career elsewhere, I might mm. do it for one season, but won't for yeah. the rest. Yeah. If he's top of his game and has an anomaly season. And I think that's what we'll just see. We'll just start seeing Arsenal Academy again, mm. having loads of players at other clubs. It's the same as like United. You see loads yeah. of United, ex-United youth players there that you'd think, oh, can't believe they let them go from the academy. But actually, yeah. mm, really? Like James Garner might turn into be a worldie at Everton or might yeah. turn into a top eight player. That's what I think we'll start seeing is more Arsenal, ex-Arsenal um, squad uh, youth academy players being top eight players. Yeah. But they just wouldn't get the minutes at Arsenal to get to that level. And you've just you, got to let some go. Tell you the one who would get minutes in, in Arsenal's midfield, and he's mm. never talked about, but I love him. Is Jacob Ramsey at Villa? Mm. What a footballer he is! Like that's mm. your that's your archetypal English dynamic central mm. midfielder who can do everything. I think he's under. Mm. He's arguably got the best coach he could have in, in Emery because he loves him. Um, but yeah, I feel like he's going to be a massive star. But you're right. Yeah, there, there's a mm. Steffi Mavadidi is another one I think of. He went to Juventus, didn't he? Before he ended mm-hmm. up at Montpellier, and he's having a good time uh, there. Avon's so. got a great one. Joe Willock. Joe Willock, he's, a top yeah. four, he's a top four player. Would any of you have him back? Joe and Chris Willock. And and well, I bet Carl remember, remembers this. Remember Jet? Joe Emmanuel Thomas? Oh, God. Joe Emmanuel <laughs> Thomas. Jesus. Yes. What a legend. He was, legend. He, he, he's someone that maybe should have made it, but didn't. Like, he came yeah. through that Wilshire era. Um, he was like six foot yeah. two and built like a brick shit house at 15, wasn't yeah. he? Yeah. Was, like, wasn't he yeah. at Mere Wolf for a little bit? I'm sure he was. Bristol City um, as well, I think it was. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he's uh, sadly somewhat should have made it. But uh, do you know what he's it is? He's in it's... Scotland now, isn't he? I think somewhere like Dunfermline or something random. Um, oh, where is he? Yeah, he's in Scotland. I think, he's not. Yeah. Dunfermline. I think we hold on to. I think we hold on to sentiment a little bit, Tito. You know, no one wants to see like someone go. Like, it's the same as like when Jack Wilshere left to go to West Ham. No one wanted to see him go because yeah. it was to coin a phrase, one of our own. Like he, he, you know, he came through the academy. He was. He was Arsenal through and through, but if you know if he can't sustain, you know, challenging for the first team, if he can't stay fit, you mm. know, we we have to drop sentiment and start thinking about the team rather than oh we can't let mm. him go because he's come for the academy. You know, yeah. if you're not contributing, like we haven't got time for that because we are trying to compete. We're trying to you know, be up there with the Manchester cities and challenge them. So I think we need to sometimes just drop sentiment a little bit and just go for it. Just, you know, be ruthless. And I think that's the, that's the hard thing. But yeah. Arsenal just needs so to be you, ruthless. Carl, do, you, do you know something, Carl? Do you know what's going to be the biggest meltdown of this summer? You're going to be, sh- and you're going to be surprised by this from Arsenal fans. It's not going to be Balogun or Jack or anyone like that. It's going to be when, if slash when Ethan Nyanwari leaves, yeah, that's going to be the biggest meltdown if he yeah. leaves. Yeah, because yeah. it's, it's almost like when um, that guy went to Chelsea for his name, um, Hutchinson. Murray Hutchinson. Yeah, Hutchinson. Murray the, Hutchinson. The meltdown yeah. of Hutchinson as well. And if Ethan Nyanwari does leave, and I think all the talk is that he is going, isn't he? He's going to yeah. Man City or. Uh, I believe or Chelsea or something like that. I think if we don't tie him down, then that's going to be crazy. But it's a gamble. Like, you know, these youth team players, they feel like they want to, you know, go in advance. Just like Hutchinson, he felt like he was going to 
get into that first team, which is ironic because if he was at Arsenal, he would have got minutes this season. I have no doubt that. You would have got Reece definitely. So I think that was obviously a mistake. And here, and I would, I think. I think it's kind of a, um, a really quiet secret that I think January is going to leave. Mm. But it is sad, but, you know, it's, it's no, unfortunate. There's nothing you can do about it at that level. No, no, no. listen, if their head's been turned, like he's 15 yeah. years old, obviously he's got an agent and his agent's yeah. saying, um, look, we can go and get X amount of money at this place and Arsenal not going to offer it. Um, mm. That's it. That's it. But Chris, I just want to come to you quickly. Um, before we start taking listener questions, I talk about the elephant in the ring that we haven't spoken about, which is William Saliba. Um, I think, so, at the moment, it's been touted around, or, you know, social media, that um, we have a price that we want to pay William Saliba and apparently is very far off to what uh, William Saliba wants or his agents want. Um, I believe it's quite a distance between the two. Um, you know, our season did kind of fall apart when William Sleeper went. So obviously he knows his worth and there's rumours, um, you're probably best placed more than I, that PSG want him. And I'm sure a defender as good as he, his talents will be wanted by the best teams in Europe. And obviously the best teams in Europe will pay him what he wants, um, you know, as a wage. Um, if by, and I think Josh, I think you and I may have spoken about this on the previous podcast, if by the end of July, mid-July, he hasn't signed a contract yet, do we sell him? No. Under no circumstances do you let that lad go. Under absolutely no circumstances. Because there's, so at, at the moment, um, from what I know, and this is all from the French side, this is not from the Arsenal side, so I don't know what's going on, on the Arsenal side, but everything that's coming out in, on the French side and everything that, that I I got some pretty good information back in, I think it was I think it was as far back as January or February, it's definitely the early part of this year, was that he had a contract offer that was agreed verbally that he was going to sign, right? Um, and then the injury happened, and because because uh, as with all of these sites, it's like the Saka deal, like that was agreed months ago. But there's back and forth, there's fine print, there's you know boot deals and image rights and all that shit. So although the contract might be agreed on Monday, it might take another twenty Mondays before it's actually signed. So agree uh, agreeing something and signing something are two very different things. Asked John Obi Mikel. So um, there's one for the older listeners. But Saliba had that offer and he was happy with the contract. His only concern as a player and his own his only concern, his own his agent's only concern was that we were going to mistreat him on his return from Marseille, was that he was going to be, you know, the Rob Holding basically this season. Like, oh, you might get a few minutes here, we'll big you up, but ultimately we won't, we won't play you. He came in in preseason. Obviously, we all saw what anybody who watched Marseille saw last season and anybody with a brain that's seen him play, he's an elite footballer. Like, this kid is is what Rafael Varane was at the same age. Arguably, he's even better at the same age. Um, same with the French national side. They see him as the future. The issue is, with this injury that's come up, Arsenal went back to the table and said, right, 
we're going to have to look at this contract because the sort of money Saliba was asking for then is what he's asking for now. And we had agreed it, but it's Arsenal that went back and went, actually, we're not so sure that we can give you that money. That's why it's all coming out now because, you know, certain in the nose and whatnot have started to get get a, a glimpse into the, the background of this. And a lot of it's to do with this injury because they're worried about it because although he is quote progressing well, you we we all know back injuries as an elite sportsman is a fucking rocky road. You have to be a hundred percent sure that he will be able to give you not just twenty games next season, the full forty or fifty, whatever it is. So I think it's from Arsenal's standpoint is they're trying to balance out how much risk do we put down money wise compared to how much long term investment we've got for a kid who's twenty one, twenty two years of age. He will not see out his career at Arsenal. Um, as big as as big as a club as we are and as big as a club as we love to think we are, we're not Real Madrid, we're not Barcelona, we're not we, we're just not. He will go to one of those big clubs. The one thing that's on our side at the moment is Barcelona have got no money and the only money they have got they're going to spend on Messi. Um, PSG have already agreed terms with, with Lucas Hernandez at Bayern Munich and they've already got Kimpembe, they've got Marquinhos has just signed a new five-year deal um, and they've got um, Bichiabu, who's a young player who's coming through. Depending on who their next coach is, <clears throat> Mourinho, potentially, um, Saliba will, I just don't think he'll be interested in that personally. That's just my personal opinion. Um, they've got the money, but I don't think that's the area. Oh, and they've got Milan Skriniar coming in from Inter as well. So take PSG off off the table. Real Madrid, do they need a centre-half right now? I, don't, I would argue that Eda Militao and um, David Alaba, Rudiger's getting on, but they don't need a centre-back right now. Um, and they've got bigger fish to fry. Benzema's probably going to move on. Uh, Bellingham's coming in. Bellingham's coming in. Modric is 107. Tony Kroos is 109. <laughs> like they, They've got <laughs> key areas. And who else can sign Saliba? There's no way in hell we're dealing with any any of the clubs in, in, in the UK. So we've got that position of power. There's no issue with Saliba as far as Arsenal. He loves it. He's very happy. He's very settled in London. He's very happy. He's part of the club. His best mate is Gabriel, who he plays with every week. He's he's happy as Larry. But his agent and the people who represent him want his worth. And the bottom line is, and we said this on this podcast how many months ago, how many elite centre-halves are there in the world right now? five six seven he's in that bracket he's in that bracket of of center center halves so in answer to your question in a very long way around it you put the check in front of him and you say to him you prove that you're over this injury you prove that you know your fitness is is okay or we get the medical reports that your fitness is okay you put whatever numbers on that check you want and you just pay it you just do because you cannot risk losing a player of that level because you're finit, you know, you're faffing over 40 or 50 grand here and there to, to us a lot. That's a lot of money in football. That's nothing. Absolutely. I think that's the big that's thing just... as well, as you mentioned, is that um, because of the drop drop off we saw when he got injured, we're now having to go out and get fourth choice center back or mm-hmm. back up to Saliba because we know that holding can't do it. And someone will probably say, oh, Rory's known that Holden can't do it. Like, well, <laughs> fuck off. Um, I think it's just generally, that's where I can kind of see Arsenal's point is we were going to you know, have a total outlay on our two right centre-backs of, say, 250k a week. It's how mm-hmm. much we're prepared to let go for that position. 
Yep. And now we've got to go, oh, hang on. We were doing 250 and actually now we've got to bring the spot we've got to bring in someone else who probably wants something like 70 to be back mm. up to Saliba. So let's bring that down. It's all about balancing the wage books. And I can mm. totally see that because we've now got to bring somebody in who we probably have to play at least 10, 15 games next season or yeah. get those kind of minutes because we don't know the extent of that injury. But and I'm not saying you... I'm not saying you upset the dressing room. I'm not saying you pay them six million a week or something, you know, obscene. When I say right, whatever numbers you want, but I think somebody said it in the chat a minute ago. I think it might have been Stan. If we don't pay him this money, there's a whole long list of clubs that will, um, and they'll the, find um, the money. Do you think the Cronkies can make him a, an ambassador to the uh, the uh, US World Cup? <laughs> Maybe you could do just it that way. And, change uh, citizenship. Just, just, well, that, just slide some money in that way. <laughs> but you, you, you jest. That's another thing. We've got Euros coming up next summer. Saliba mm-hmm. is very likely to be, if not first choice for France, he's, he's very likely going to be knocking on the door because Varane's retired now. There is a gap in that centre-half position. Upamecano is is very good, but his form has been patchy. Um, Jules Koundé's been playing right-back for Barcelona. Like there is an opportunity in this in this French team now to if you have a good season and Saliba's going to know that and that's going to be leverage. If he goes and has a good Euros and and France because obviously they're the best team in the world go and inevitably win the Euros, obviously, um, I had to. His his value will go up again. So you, you're not losing out if we if we sign him on a mega contract, his value isn't going to going to decrease if he has a few iffy games. But it will decrease if he has a crippling back injury. <laughs> so we, you know, and we 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 have signed a player with a broken back before. Let's not forget that. Um, We've maybe not the quite back a... through, and it certainly caused us problems in the past, yeah, isn't it? Not, Thinking Lauren Kishel's Achilles tendon. Yeah, and and you and you and you don't want another Abamyang, do you? You know, you don't want to. Obviously, different ages, different personalities, but you don't want to. You know, throw so much money at a player that unsettles the rest of the dressing room, and you put him on a pedestal, and then you know you can't get rid of him, but. There's, there is, there is a slim chance that Saliba can just say, "I'm going to sit on this and I'll, I'll see out my time," but I don't think Arsenal have come a long way since Richard Garlick's come in and Edu and everybody is, you know, is on board. I think even Mikel has a, has a say in this now. They don't want players to run out contracts. If there's any doubt in their minds, then they will sell. But there is, there isn't a buying market for Saliba. There just isn't. Like, and so that's the, so I guess that's the risk. Um, do you stick or twist like Femi? What would you do? Would you? I, I, I don't know because I ask. It's really hard because, like us, I, I just asked you, Chris. Like, if you come to like J- July and there's still no indication that he's going to sign, do you still keep him with the with the risk that he could potentially walk away for free? So, I know you said that you categorically would not would not sell him, and I and I. I don't, yeah, I, I do because you then you've got you've got kind of a year to see if he can he would sign and see what would do there. But Femi, would you take that risk of if by July, the start of pre-season, like let's say we are playing the charity shield and he hasn't signed, do you, do you keep him or do you sell him? That's so hard because he's such a unique player. Um and he just he complements our system so so well. Yeah. Um how much would it take to replace him? Okay, let, let's let's say they've done everything they can and we come to August. The other question is, what's the chances of another Premier League team being the only ones who can afford him and you having mm. to sell him to a Premier League team? Because like you said, 
<laughs> we were outspending the whole of Europe last summer. So mm. what's going to change this summer? So then the the only buyer's market at the moment is teams selling to each other. That's why we were able to get Gabriel Jesus or Zinchenko because no one else is going to pay them that kind of money. Mm. So who's going to pay you? Yeah, who's going to pay you upwards of 80 million for Saliba unless it's a Premier League Especially team. someone who's got only one year left like, on their contracts and they're going to know exactly, that as well, aren't they? Exactly. Mm. So are you willing to sell him to a Premier League team is probably what you're one... looking at one club doing it potentially and that's Bayern Munich I was just going to say that they're the outliers when you look at it when you look at their dealings last was it last summer did they bring De Ligt in yeah a lot of money changed hands there he was 60-70 million but they also had an outgoing of similar value as well as well as Lewandowski going yeah there was some big they made some big moves but it's it's the net. Oh my god, I'm gonna be one of those guys. It's about the net spend. <laughs> the net spend. <laughs> I didn't want to end up at that point. Um, I suppose the only other team would be normally someone like Juventus, you know, splashed 80 million pounds on flyers. Yeah, they're, they're they ain't spending over. shit, they can't even no. afford Rabio, so no. <laughs> they're not gonna get they're, they're a mess. They're a yeah. mess, but they're certainly some. There's some teams out there that could be doing it. But Bayern are looking like they're yeah. gonna need to spend big on a, on a striker. Nine. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So yeah. They're not Harry really going to spend massive on, especially when you said they bought the De- lit and yeah. they got um, Upa, Upa, Upa Meccano last Upa, year yeah. as well. Yeah. So yeah. they're not really going to, I don't think, spend big on another centre back. And like PSG, you said, they... I don't know what PSG's financial situation is. Um, Unlimited. <laughs> yeah, it's like, like what you were saying when you just when you were off cam there, fam. They've yeah. PSG has stopped. They've got Skriniar's coming in in the summer from Inter. They've got Kimpembe. They've got um, Marquinhos has signed a new deal, and they've got Bichiabu, who's like a, a young sort of defensive or centre back who's coming through. They've got Sergio Ramos, who's going to move in the summer anyway. He's going to be gone, um, and they're looking at other defenders. It's just the money is there, yes, but I I really don't think that. They're they're losing Messi and Neymar in the summer almost certainly, um, and by the way, and Carl, you made uh, well. I was just going to say, Carl made that point. Mm-hmm. You know, Arsene knew. Remember when he said this all those years ago? Players are just going to start seeing out their contracts. They've got the power. The best mm-hmm. player in the world right now is out of contract at the end of next season, and there is nothing PSG can do about it. And he he came out after the after they won the title at the weekend, and he said. I'm Paris born and bred. I'm staying next season. He put all those rumours to bed and everyone's like, oh, that's fantastic news. And then they suddenly went, hang on a second. He's on a free next summer. So Real Madrid can just see out this season, let Benzema go, and then they can just pick him up on a free. And and all the pressure now goes on to PSG. Like, do they sell the best player in the world and get his market value, which isn't going to be, I mean, obviously he's going to go for ridiculous money if he goes, Neymar money. But it's either they sell him now and look like a, a massive, you know, shit, a massive shit show. Like they're trying to force out their golden boy. But Mbappe's got all the power, just like Saliba has all the power but, with us. But what you're saying, Chris, like uh, um, that um, Mbappe would go for Neymar money. Who who's got Neymar money? Real Madrid have not got name that sort of money. Like, but no. don't get it wrong. I believe that they'll find money. Spanish from banks but, have that money. For yeah, them. but Phil, Phil, who's Phil? Phil. <laughs> but <laughs> just like, sign, him, sign him to a ten-year contract. It's fine. Yeah, it, it's true. But that the, 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 the money <laughs> is not there. Like in like it is in England. Like as much as 
Barcelona. I think Barcelona are on their like what their twenty fourth bloody um lever lever that they've pulled and like I, I didn't realize till the other day that uh the camp new is that like, the naming rights has gone to spotify spotify camp new isn't it or something yeah and they're line. closing so, it aren't it was, they and it's not closed sure. yeah yeah which is it. which is absolutely crazy but that like, i don't think the money is like that around europe and as much as i think barcelona they have they still got their problems like with registering Gavi and um and people like that. And yeah, they um, bought Martinez from Bilbao and they haven't even been able to register him. He's a new signing and they can't yeah. But but then uh, if if a player but if a player again in like Saliba's case, if you sold him on the open market now, he would fetch 80, 90 million. If he's a free agent, you've only got to pay him his wages, which okay, they might be two, three hundred thousand a week. But if you're paying that over five years, you're not stumping up a hundred god whatever million up for no, the off. So this is why what will happen is if uh, surely there might be clubs whispering to Saliba saying, you know what, just hit a season and, you know, we'll give you that 200, 300,000. Mm. And, you know, if his agents are shit, they'll say, oh, do you know what, just do this and then we'll get you something bigger in, 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 in the future. And obviously that's not what we want. I think Arsenal are in a really sticky predicament with Saliba and, mm. Hopefully it does get resolved, but this is something that's going to rumble on all summer unless like we do, like you said, Chris, we put the contract on the table and we say, how much did you want? Do you want £200,000? Mm. There you go. And it's important to draw a line under Saliba. It's important to say he, he is very happy Arsenal. Like, don't get me wrong, I haven't had him on the phone or anything. Like, I'm not in the know like that. <laughs> but everybody who who knows the people that know the people who represent him and, you know, all the people that would be aware of these sort of situations. He's very happy Arsenal. Like, he's not a player who's looking for his other options. In the future, he will move because he's that good. Um, and he will play at, you know, a Champions League winning club at some point. So I don't think we can, I don't think we'll have him for, for life. But It's that blue is... side of Manchester that worries yeah, me. Prob- probably. Which, that's which, it. Is the, oh, that would break what, my heart. Ruben Diaz, what's 28? Yeah, well, there you go. Yeah, John Stones um, plays in midfield for them now. Yeah, mm. Nathan Ake. Yeah, oh. but but Akanji, I mean, that, yeah, it's. Uh, but we we've done everything good so far. I mean, we've tied down Saka. I know it's probably easier because of you know his his heritage of the club and everything. But you know, we've done the Ramsdale deal. Don't forget, his best mate is signed, Gabriel Magalhaes. So, mm. and and Martinelli, like he he's one of he's one of the gang. They're looking at Odegaard's new deal as well, aren't they? Like. Why would you want to go anywhere? But he's not stupid, and, and and his agents are not stupid. They want their worth, and and I don't blame them. To be fair, like he's come in and he's single handedly transformed our defense. He just has, like as good as Ben White was last year, you wouldn't put Ben White back in ahead of him now, would you? You just wouldn't. So, and arguably, you wouldn't put even Gabriel Magalhaes over over him. You you say Saliba's your first name, and you build around him. And when he when he when his back went bang uh, in that sporting game everything changed you know it just did and that's nothing that's nothing against Rob Holding we could have put Varane or you know whoever Thiago Silva in his prime in there we still would have had a problem because Saliba is like you said Firm he's very unique and and there aren't many defenders if any in Europe right now that that touch that ability he has on the ball and, and that calmness it doesn't mean he's flawless he does make mistakes he's young but yeah I, I think we would be absolutely mad to not time down 
Uh, no, uh, definitely agreed. Um, just before we start taking listening questions, I just want to go to all three of you, and hopefully you've been thinking about this. And I'm going to come to you, Josh, because you're. I think you've been thinking about this more. What does a good transfer or a great or transfer window look like to you uh, for Arsenal this summer? Not necessarily think, names, but positions. No, even. Or I what think names and great. Go- a great transfer or perfect transfer window is that we managed to get, um, and I'm not going to say our first choice because I don't think we ever hear what our first choice is or our second choice. Um, but we address all of the weaknesses in our squad. That's perfect. What's great is we address the main weaknesses in our spine. And then it's below that a poor window as we only just address the issues on our spine and we maybe find some adequate cover on the right wing and we basically sign three two players maybe which i don't think is probably what happens but yeah that's what i'd see as like the three levels of a transfer window femi same question to you i couldn't i i'm just gonna say it we get our first choice no more messing around <laughs> I get it. We we do get we we are quite good at pivoting and and going for pivoting to the next option. But like Arteta said in so many of his last few press conference, he just kept saying the word "we have to nail it, we have to nail it." So now, Edu, it's it's your time to shine. It's time to it's time to go to war against other teams. I know we don't like doing bidding wars, but you're you're now getting to a level where. Do you want to compete in the Champions League or do you want to go out and drop down into Europa League? You know, that type of thing. So go for your first choice and nail it nice and early is what I say. That's perfect for me. Mr. Carpenter? Yeah, I I just echo what the guys have said. Um, I I want us to get that business done early. That's a really big thing. We did it last summer, didn't we? We had our our ducks in a row before we went to, before we went to America. I think we had, Mm -hmm. yeah, because we signed Zinni while we were in America, didn't we? So Mm -hmm. we we did the majority of the business early um, and getting Jesus over the line. Um, I I never thought I'd say this actually, because I wasn't convinced by him until I really started doing my, my research and actually watching him. But I think the rice deal is really important that we get that done if if we are the front runners because there is now there's some talk, isn't there, of like Bayern and Man United are sniffing and stuff. Mm. I I think he wants Arsenal as well as us wanting him, so I think there's a good chance that gets done. Um, and I know they've got the when is it next when is it is it this week or next week the next week next week next week once that's done, um, West Ham either win it or don't. Um, we need to be on the phone and we need to get his people in. I, I mean, the other thing is the window doesn't open till next week for domestic oh, yeah. transfers. It's like that matters, John. Oh, yeah, <laughs> but yeah. I know what you mean. Yeah, we yeah. we couldn't announce <laughs> anything. But um, yeah, I, I'd like to see us. I'd like to see us around the table, or uh, you know, I'd like to think we we've got enough noises from him and his people that that that's a deal that can be done. Um, so I'd like to get that over the line. Um, I think getting players out is really important as well because. Um, if we're going to be talking about spending the sort of money we are talking about spending, whether it be Caicedo, I think he's been linked with Chelsea now, isn't he? Which is a bit gross. But it's clear that if Shaka goes and that, we are going to need at least two midfielders. We're definitely going to need one more fullback. That Spanish lad is, uh, his, his name's coming up again, isn't he? The lad at Valladolid, is it? Hmm. Um, Fresnado. That's the badger. So, yeah, I just, I just want that business done early. Um, and I would like. You know, I'd like the players who are who are on the chopping block or, or being politely 
ushered out the door. I want that done quick. And then we can focus on getting those players in. But And, and I think the Balogun one, we, we need to get on that quick as well because the longer we let that drag on, the more unsettled uh, the likes of... Because Eddie and him share an agent, don't they, as well? So we need to get that sorted out. Who's going to be doing what? Um, and we need to get his maximum price we can if we're going to sell him. So, yeah, I think it's... I think we're in for a busy one and uh I can I can already hear the wheels of the Arsenal horse being being uh, <laughs> being wheeled out and um, and all the usual suspects uh oh, not you, me you know what, can, you know hear that bell, be, can you hear that bell ringing as well I hear that like, bell yeah do you know what's oh. going to be crazy about this transfer window Elon Musk was taking away those blue ticks so yeah. we don't oh, know who is, who, yeah. who is gonna, who who's telling it, who you're going to retweet someone <laughs> thinking that they're, <laughs> yeah. they're the real person and, it, and it's actually just Gladys who lives in the yeah. east end of London yeah yeah exactly that I mean all I would say is stick to the reliable sources and I don't mean Fabrizio Fraud Nano um, stick to the ones that you know and trust not just the ones that retweet the stuff that you think you know or trust and and just go back to the old days you know until they are stood on the pitch holding the shirt it's not a done deal so but you know Arteta and Edu are not stupid they, they know what worked last summer they got the business done early they got the players in they needed they got the ones out they didn't need um, surely we, we do the right thing this summer and we get those deals done. Um, and just to put it out there, a bit of a random one, I think we might shuffle the coaching staff in the summer as well. I've got a feeling. I'm not saying we're going to get rid of anyone, but I think the pit crew might be expanded. I think we might end up with a few more behind oh. the scenes. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, there's always room for more of the pit crew. Fam. I mean, see the picture at the end of the season? I know. <laughs> yeah, that was mad. It's like thousands of them. <laughs> but I wouldn't be surprised if we employed, like, Liverpool with that throwing coach, didn't they? And mm. but I wouldn't be surprised if we ended up with, with extra set-piece coaches. I do wonder, especially with our record of set-pieces, it dropped off a cliff, didn't it? You did, In terms yeah, yeah. of converting and defending corners, yeah. that that might need a fresh new ideas in it. And and what what was um, what was Ferguson always brilliant at shuffling his staff? I know that was mostly assistant managers, and I don't think Arteta would would get rid of uh, Steve Round or, or Big Albert. But um, I feel like there, there's a good chance he might he might bring in a few more for fresh ideas. He seems like an innovator type. Yeah. He's that sort of guy who just stays up at night on I don't know like transfer marks and looks at staff rather than players because he's fascinated <laughs> on what what marginal gains we can make. You know so. But um, yeah, um, and as Rudy's put in the chat as well, let's not forget Tommy Asu's not fit yet either. So, you know, we might need to look at that defence. If Holding's going to go as well, we might need to think about... That's why I mentioned Norton Cuffey, because, um, you know, I would be taking him on pre-season along with... Is it Raul Waters, the the right back? I'd be yep. taking them along and, and seeing, you know, assuming Norton Cuffey comes back, of course, and I'd be giving them a few games and seeing what they can offer and seeing if they can take a chance, because... We're going to need numbers, that's for sure. Definitely, definitely. All right, let's crack on with some uh, questions to wrap this shit up. Who'd um, have thought we'd had a really long show when I come back, eh? Who'd have thought that? I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, I will start with you, Femi. This one's from Avon. Uh, it says uh, Emil Smith Rowe, Eddie Holding, Nelson Saliba, Carl uh, Hine uh, are six of eight homegrown players. They couldn't simply um, be replaced with any other player abroad. Is this why ESR and Nelson won't be sold? That's a really good point, actually. I, mm. I did think about that when we were talking about holding, even Kieran 
Does Kieran Tierney, does Scotland count as home ground? I'm not even sure, actually, if it does. No, it doesn't. Brexit means um, Brexit, fam. But, Martin, <laughs> but Martinelli and Saka both come yeah, of age. Do. Yeah, Yeah, they're all aged. Yeah, so you've got to include them in your squad now so you get young players taking those spaces. But that's a, it is a good point. You can't just sell all your, your, especially with Champions League as well, you can't just sell all your homegrown players so yeah now that, that, that's especially having um ramsdale and hine to a backup keeper basically in your squad um talking about hine we, we probably have to make a decision on arthur um uh danny's favorite player yeah. yeah 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 we probably have to make a decision on him as well um two years left on his contract and played first team football all season so no that's that's a good shout actually having a third keeper as a homegrown is is a good touch for the club actually mm, agreed yeah that's why man city keep scott carson around this was his no, last season. He's, he's, uh, he's, had, he's, no, he's had another, another new, new... Yeah, they yeah. announced... I thought he was going. I'll flip no. it. No, like, <laughs> he, he's he about funny. to break the record for the biggest gap between Champions League winners' medals. <laughs> I, I'm I'm convinced that Stuart Taylor is still at Man City somewhere, like in a brilliant cup. He is. He, is. he was there. He was under celebrations. He must be working <laughs> there. Yeah, yeah, he's there. He worked. <laughs> Do you know what's funny, about, member, yeah. what's funny about him is that he must obviously just... Some days doesn't go into training because he must think, "What's the point?" Like yeah. he's just, <laughs> just getting, bad, fuck it. <laughs> he's just happy getting like, fifty grand. He must be getting at least fifty grand um, a week. Yeah, just sitting there. Um, but would you care at that age? I wouldn't. It's no, like of he knows that like, he's not Chelsea, stupid. He he knows he's not ever going to play a game like unless something drastic happens. He's happy just to go in. Like he probably must be doing his coaching badges by now. Like it wouldn't surprise yeah. me if he is, but. Yeah, do you know what? Good no, luck to not, him. Like, it's, not yeah. Stuart Ta- it's not Stuart Taylor. It's Richard Wright. Richard Wright. Oh, Richard Wright. Wright. Sorry, Richard, Richard Wright. Stuart Taylor's probably still at, still at Southampton. Yeah. Yeah, Richard Wright's still at Man City. <laughs> they'll, they'll sign Ian Walker next year. He'll be the new incoming keeper, if you know, you know. Coach, coach at Man City now. Bloody Stuart oh, um, Taylor. <laughs> this question's for Josh. and It says, uh, what do you make of these Caicedo to Chelsea rumours? Is it legit or just Fabrizio looking for interaction? <laughs> <laughs> well, Chris, uh, Chris, Chris stumbled upon this a couple of times. What I would mention is um, Fabrizio is not on the Chelsea payroll, but it doesn't mean he's not on somebody else's or at least is given information. He is very, very, very close to Caicedo's new agent. Uh, everything you saw in January was pumped via Caicedo's agent. And that's why I knew he wasn't going anywhere in the, in January because he didn't need to. Um, and it wasn't worth brighter, you know, brighter in Europe now because Caicedo stayed. That was worth a lot more than him moving in January, irrespective of what the fee that Arsenal were rumoured or did put in. Um, it was never going to get close to that. So I can't see him going to Chelsea Um more or less from what I saw when they went up to Stamford Bridge is the majority of the squad think Kukurea's a dickhead. So um, if he's still there in next season, I don't can't see any Brighton players going up there. Um, Chelsea might try it for trying to do a deal for Colwell, but the, in terms of talking about ruthlessness of Arsenal and Edu, that's something I would look at trying hijacking because Chelsea need to sell. They need mm. to sell before the end of the domestic window, before they're finan- before they've got to close their financials at the end of June. It's why you're seeing Brighton lowball 
Chelsea at the moment for 30 million for Colwell. He's not worth that. He's worth a lot more. But that's what you'll be seeing. You'll see again um, derisory bids for Gallagher. People will be asking 20 million. It's why Man City are going after Kovacic at the moment. Yeah, we'll, on a free. And we'll it? get. It was something like that, isn't it? It's really low. He's not mm. out of contract at Chelsea. That's the Nominal thing to fee. add. Yeah. Nominal fee because Chelsea need to start putting money on the books. And for yeah. especially those homegrown players, uh, Trevor Chalabar, they're trying to move him out at the moment. I think, what, Milan, 25 million? Mm, I like him as well, yeah. Yeah, there's good. a lot of... Chelsea in a really worrying place at the moment from their point of view. It is the time to go in and try and nick some of those players out on um, on the cheap cut price deal. You said uh, hilarious wrong, Josh. It was hilarious sorry. places where Chelsea are at the moment. Yeah, sorry. Hilarious Not a worrying place. place. No. Yeah. <laughs> it's a bit of both. Which kind of comes on to um, well, yeah. just discuss the Aguetan Diaz that half up to Chelsea now they're being run by uh, well, a man among men, Todd Bowley. I think he but, hit his head. Toad. Sadly, he said he was taking a step back next season. So, um, unfortunately... The, the, only, the only downside yeah. with Chelsea is that as much as Pochettino is a specialist in failure as well, um, he is good with young younger players. Mm. So that's why you'll probably see the likes of Madrid and Colwell and whatnot. They will want to play for him. So that's the that's the only slight part I'm worried about. I'm not really worried about Chelsea winning anything, but I'm worried about potentially what Pochettino could turn the players that it's, they do keep. It's how well they can clear out that squad, the yeah. squad size of that squad, and with the um, contracts they've signed those players to. That's what's going to really screw them. But they're Is not. They're going to be still? making. Is he there yeah. or is he past? Yeah, he went on loan yeah. to Barcelona, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, we let him go for free to Barcelona. Oh, that's right. Yeah, Signed yeah, a contract. Yeah. They then sold him to Chelsea for 15 million. Um, and then, yeah, Chelsea signed him to a two-year deal. But no, Koulibaly is the crazy one. He signed a oh, four-year yeah. deal. Four yes, years. Man. He was 32, wasn't he? Yeah, four-year deal they gave him. And Barca won, Barca won above Yang back, don't they? So that will probably end up happening on a free. Yeah, Xavi. Really want him back. yeah, Xavi loves him. Apparently. He said he never oh. wanted him to go. Apparently, he was great in the dressing room, if you can believe that. So, <laughs> <laughs> we all know how that ends, don't we? Wow, well, I suppose yeah. they're trying to get rid of Torres, so yeah, yeah, true. space available. Mm. <laughs> yeah, um, uh, I'm sick of you, Chris, from the next question. Um, how long do you think it is be- uh, before we actually win something? Um, is it one <laughs> to two years back? So, when do you think that we might start winning the trophy? Nice, easy question. Um, genuinely, do you think Arteta needs to win something next season? Yeah, I do. I do. Yeah, I do. Because I, I, th- I think I think you can only be you can only keep taking the positives about progression so long until you then say this is great and like you said, it's lovely to see us playing good football and we got nice kits and the Emirates looks all nice and shiny and all that and everything. Uh, you have to win something. That's what that's what we're in this game for. That's why we support clubs. That's why we buy tickets, etc. So um, a club of our size needs to be competing, like Josh said, at the top table. Champions League is completely pointless if we just Marseille it every year, you know, fight all season to get in it and then bounce in the first group stage. Like we have to, I think Champions League for us, minimum last 16 is, is should be the goal. Um, top four is is not even negotiable. And I think one of the trophies is important. And also like what Josh said, if the Champions League doesn't go our way, then we should be one of those elite clubs that drops into the Europa and, and wins it. You know, no questions asked. Like, we just should be. And, and I'd like to see us take the FA Cup and indeed the, the Carling Cup or whatever the fuck it's called now 
um, a bit more seriously. Because like we said earlier on, Mourinho won it at Chelsea. Um, Ten Hag's won it. Uh, did Klopp win it at Liverpool? I think Klopp won it, didn't he? Yeah. Early on in, in his career. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm not saying that any of the, su- the supporters particularly give a shit. But we do on the day. It's still silverware and it still ingrains these players into the the mentality of, of knowing what it's like to win. As lovely as this squad is and as lovely and harmonious as the club is, you know, they want to win trophies. That's why Saka signed a new deal and everybody else. They want to win and they believe they can win at this club. So um, they'll soon get a, a little bit sick of it if we just, you know, if, we, if we're that constant, oh, they came so close. We don't get a trophy for that. So, I think um, it'll be at least three seasons. Do you really? Because I think our priorities are now not winning trophies and mm. uh, jump in quickly. We're not Spurs, our priority, Josh. no, I know, not in that way. <laughs> but our priority will be progressing, trying to get into a title race, which I don't think it's going to be the same as this season. We'll be in a title race, but we won't be able to even, you know, lay a glove on Man City. And then Champions League, our expectation would be to try and progress, but I don't think we're at that level. Where we can, as soon as we get to a quarterfinals, semi final, we'll get unstuck. Mm. Actually, our best time to win trophies, and then again, FA Cup, we won't go well in the FA Cup because we're too busy thinking about Champions League. Or but that depends, doesn't we it? We have to throw a competition somewhere, basically, to win trophies. And I think it, Champions League's got to be the one. The FA Cup doesn't start to what, October time, is it? When we come no, in? no, January. January. Oh, January, January is that late? Christ. Yeah. So we don't even yeah. have to think about that until... And by that, by January, we'll we know if we're in a title League. race or out of the Champions League. Exactly. So for me, that's when you have to focus on... If we put it this way, if we're out of the Champions League by then, we should be focusing on that FA Cup and we should mm. hopefully still be in the League Cup and we should be really focused on trying to win that Europa if we're out of the Champions League but into the Europa. If we're in a title race by... January and still in the Champions League that's when you then start going okay maybe the FA Cup has to go in the bin I think it's it's title race in April I think if we're in a title race in February it doesn't really matter because Mm. you saw what happened in the title race in February Man City then went and won 15 games in a row yeah yeah Yeah, actually if you said to me in February you know this year did you want to go on the run of you know uh, what we won 14 games I mm-hmm. think until the rest of the season, would you have not won four of those games to then win four in the Europa League? I'd easily have gone, yeah, I'll do that, and I win the Europa League or get to the final of that cup I just, competition I just, because I just thought league was so out of reach. I just can't see our support. How, however much and however high of a crest oh. of a wave our, our supporters are on now, I, I just, I mean, Fern, Carl, you go most weeks. Like, would you be happy knowing we don't win anything for another three years? Would you still be as you know, upbeat and drum banging. I would like, be nearly men. That's where I think it will be. You just wouldn't, would you? Like, you know, I'm not saying we'd all turn toxic, but I think there'd be people asking very, I, I don't, I don't think the goodwill would be for Mikel um, as it is now, if we're still in this position in two years time, I just don't like I, in fact, I don't even think the board would be, if I'm honest, the Cronkies are business yeah. people. Like, you know, I think we have the, to. I think we have to win something within the next. Yeah, two, you have to show us your medals, quote unquote, don't you? Uh, at some point, yeah. you have to say. And also, how many of our players? You know, Saka might sign this new deal now. Two years down the road, if we still haven't won anything, he's going to start thinking, yeah. like lovely young players and all that, but we haven't won anything. Do you know what I mean? Like, 
it's it's a it's a good question because there's there's no right or wrong answer but i i seriously think we need to be you know in in some sort of race for something next year i really do but you might be right josh there's no right or wrong opinion on that i don't want to be right i should add that i should really add that. <laughs> it's all on you if we win nothing i should really, we're coming I should for really you. put it on there uh, and i won't i won't revel in i told you so either because it's uh. been as we just mentioned it it's a kind of we could be just nearly men for three seasons mm. a bit like um liverpool that's in, my fear if they didn't pivot and win a champions league we haven't mm. got that kind of legacy that mm. liverpool have got where i think they've got a bit like severe something within the bones of the club that for some reason they can churn out a european win when needed but we're capable. Like, look, we did that FA oh, Cup under Arteta. Nobody gave us a prayer in that season. We were dog shit for a lot of it. We won that cup. Like, Porto have won the Champions League, for Christ's sake. You know, I know Mourinho was in his heyday then, but, you know, Inter... But that I was also, Inter, our, but that was also our, arguably our best ever squad when Porto won that as well. Yeah, yeah. That yeah, was yeah, invincible was. season. Still, still bugs me that we lost the So there is a bit oh, of luck that comes into it. But it's a cup competition, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. It, it, yeah. You know, you, 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 get a, you get a decent draw... Mm. Um, you know, or, or or you get like Man City this year. You get lucky when you play a bog average Real Madrid side, and everyone thinks you're the the fucking the shit just because Real didn't turn up. Like, I don't know. I just, uh, yeah. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, Femi, um, ask two more questions. This one's to you. What do you do with Tommy Yasu? Great song. <laughs> I don't think there's anything you can do at the moment. I mean. There's reports that he's not back till December. Arteta says, oh, he's not going to be long after pre-season. So I'll say December in that case then. Definitely. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. It's one of those things where do you buy cover for a cover? Mm. <laughs> That's the kind of decision you have to make at that point, um, which is why I can see that uh, little Spanish kid, Fresneda, making yeah. sense in that case because he's young enough to... He looks good enough to play, but young enough to buy these time as well. Yeah. Um, so I think, or you go, for, you give one of those young players a chance in preseason and have them as backup. But I don't know; it's it's a bit of a weird one because Ben White pl- played thirty eight games this this season, which shocked me actually. But Ben White, before Tommy's injury, rarely finished. <laughs> 90 minutes so no he was tired that like he could do yeah, some games that he just yeah, only not, yeah that's that's the problem isn't it so then you've got what do you do with him at the end of the day no I, I, yeah I agree like I think um, I can't remember what game it was where he was on the yellow card and I think he, got, he came off I can't remember what game it was and that was a brilliant piece of um, substitution by Arteta but um, I think the problem with Ben White is that he's obviously used to being a centre-back. Running up and down that wing uh, is tiring, really, really tiring, and maybe he's not really used to that. So, um, yeah, I think that's the, that's the issue. Um, last question uh, from Jimmy uh, H32. As Arsenal fans, why do we wish so hard that Halen players become good when we've done it with Eddie and others? in the past um why can't we just admit that they are poor and move them on oh that's a question 
<laughs> Can I answer it? Jesus. As just, they're one of our own. Oh, all right, Harry. I yeah. think that's it, isn't it? <laughs> it's true. That. Yeah, it is true, though. Yeah, they are one of We're our. We're so biased. Own. Hey, hey, he's had a he's had an all right Premier League career, hasn't he? He's he's helped Tottenham stave off relegation for what ten straight seasons. He's just War. done it with a lot of flair. A lot of War flair. A trophy cabinet for Harry. Kane. I know, right? Uh, <laughs> Top scorer several seasons and one fuckle war yeah. career. I think Avon's uh, summed it up for us. It's part of the job description. <laughs> it's part of the job description. It is. It's, it's it back is. your own. Um, and yeah, I think that's why we've all got differing opinions on Reese Nelson. I don't. Reece. I don't dislike any of the squad. Do you? Like none, no. none of us are sat here going, "Oh, I can't stand him." Or like we had, we went through seasons where we we're like, "Oh God, how is he at Arsenal?" Like, mm. God bless Mustafi and. Kalasanach and people like that, but you know, <laughs> we we looked time and again and went, huh? Did you hear Cedric wants to come back and fight for his place as well? That's that's good. yes. Um, I, I I read that and I laughed. I mean, um, I mean, bless him, and I I appreciate the you know the the good gesture, but I don't think he'll have that opportunity. If I'm honest, <laughs> no. I, um, if you can't like get in for his team, no. No. At least at least over. Um, at least over this this season, uh, Maitland Nas has got some humility and has oh, decided Maitland that he won't be he won't be pushing <laughs> for a new contract at Arsenal <laughs> and will just. I mean that that oh, really God. you really saw the player so realise what his what his stature was. Oh, Carl, did you hear what his one of his inter- final interviews at Southampton was? That he was uh, he was uh, you know he's he's going to leave Arsenal at the end of his contract. He hasn't had any offers yet, but if Southampton were to come and give him an offer, bear in mind they've been relegated already, he would happily um, sign a deal with them to stay there. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure he would. I'm sure he would, of course, yeah. Because yeah. he wants to get paid. Yeah. Like, yeah. He, he, he is someone who, if he just had a bit of humility, he could have done stuff like this. The talk of, oh, I want to play centre midfield, you play centre midfield, you're good enough to play right back, you don't want to play right back, you mm. go alone and you're played right back like he he, he could have been a right back now couldn't he he could have he, been what ben white 100 percent before yeah he could have if been he could pass. yeah i mean that's yeah, true i do yeah. think the ability was a bit inflated with him but because yeah. he had the engine he definitely yeah. had the midfielder's engine so he could have got up and down because i tools. still remember i still remember him in the fa cup final um playing on the left yes like, yeah, he yeah, was yeah. he was magnificent like mm-hmm. and i say that he was absolutely brilliant and yeah, um, it's too much it's, too soon. Yeah, too early, unfortunately. Yeah. But Chris, I, I do have some breaking know. news. Um, really? Yes, I do have some mm. extremely breaking news. Um, former, news. former friend of the pod, Simon Collins, is mm. uh, has been sold uh, in this transfer window. I can confirm, and if you look at uh, the WhatsApp group, Chris, you'll see the reason why. Um, mm. Simon will no longer, and I'm going to repeat, no longer ever be allowed oh, to come oh. on this podcast. Oh, ever, oh, ever dear. again. Oh, and I dear. genuinely mean that. He will never be allowed <laughs> to come on this podcast ever again. Just to back up, so Josh. We've got yeah. everyone, who's, everyone who's listening live or even um, listening on whatever podcast you're going to listen to, go and tweet Simon Cronies and ask him why he's wearing shit on him Simon mm. Collins is playing in a Tottenham kit and I have no idea why and I'm going to find out 
even if we're getting some cherry, answers, we're getting some answers at the moment. I've just replied e- to him now. Even oh, if it's to cherry, be fair, no. Uh, no, there's, there's no, 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 there, no, there's, no there, I'm going to go with one thing. He has gone against the Spurs comms team versus external media, and he's beaten them. So even the Spurs comms team couldn't win a trophy that they could <laughs> 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 Oh, God. Look, if you, if you go on your holidays to Mallorca, uh, if you're like me and you've got some taste and you buy this beautiful L'Oreal tattoo jersey that's hung up behind me, that's fine. No problem at all. You, you might want to have an international shirt collection as I do. With world champions France on my wall there. Um, that's fine. Spurs shirt. I'm sorry. You have to 2022 world champions? No, 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 no. Okay, we, okay, we okay. Thought, I was just checking. Check so, South America, you know, they needed something to cheer them up. So we thought we'd just oh, give okay, it, right, send so. it on loan for a season, you know, as you do. But uh, yeah, um, Spurs, no, there, there's, there, is, there just is no excuse. There's, 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 no, there's no excuse. Like, I, I'm, I'm no. actually, I think there could be a vote to kick him out of the group. And, yeah, I think uh, so. Well, as I put yeah, as in the group, meeting. I've just replied to him now and just simply said, you're dead to me. And that's that's it, really. That's all I need to say. So that's it. Um, um, here we go. Yes. Just one final question before we leave. So I'm going to do it early. I'm going to do it very early because the season's not really technically finished. Oh, you're so, not going to do this, are you? I am. Yes, I am. Oh, Fuck no. You, I don't care. Oh, I am. no. Um, this is why we need a clips channel, Carl, so we can save this. <laughs> Danny needs to create a clips channel so that we can have these moments and look back on them and laugh in a year's time when we're 18. So, Femi, I'm coming to you first. Right now, early, 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 early prediction. Where, where are we finishing, Femi? <laughs> he, he's he's thinking what would a year a year in advance for me be doing now That's what he's yeah no, what's, what are you doing are you are you waiting to go to the open bus uh open top bus tour what kind of balloons know what? will you have you, what, know you, know what? Time? <laughs> you know what oh with all the it's, 10 people that turn up at Man City's one it's the points I'm thinking it's points I'm thinking I'm thinking points oh. rather than places and to get to what did we get 84 it was do, so do your hard points to mean prizes points win, that's what exactly. he's asking yeah, point <laughs> you read my mind 84 was so hard to get to um don't forget man, say, you're going to get stripped of all their titles in about three weeks <laughs> of course all right yeah i say well, obviously i, I don't think know. i i think you know what second I, I i don't think we can finish higher than second oh. and that will be going some to be honest with you mm. I go on, third. Christopher. Oh, third, third, third. Do you say you third as well, Josh? Yeah, third. Yeah, yeah, third. Who do you think comes above us? <sighs> one of. I'm not going to pin mm-hmm. it. To, I'm not going to pin it to one club, but one of United, Liverpool, or Chelsea. Uh, I'm going to go with. Newcastle I'm going to go with um, United or mm. Liverpool. It depends on Liverpool's midfield rebuild. Mm. Yeah, but, they're, they're the two. Yeah, I agree. Mm. Chelsea, Chelsea's an unknown, but just mm. purely for the spending power they've got um, and the fact they have got a, a somewhat co- um, competent coach now, although, again, mm. fraud. Um, yeah, I, I think United and Liverpool. I, I worry about how easily Liverpool have been written off. Um, and I, I, I'm, yeah, I'm, not ready, I'm not ready for Scousers to be crowing see, The again, reason the why I said points is because, and I said it's difficult, is because... Although those teams cumulatively might not get more points themselves, 
doing things that we did, like going to Villa away and winning, uh, going mm. to uh, Chelsea, Villa, Tottenham, the multiple games that we won, it, because these teams are just slightly better, they might not win other games, but those games will be tougher, if, if you see what I mean. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So you're mm. not just going to just think, oh, because we won there last year, we're going to win there this year. Newcastle mm. away, we won. You know, but it's really hard to do what we we kind of did this season. You know? Obviously, when we're playing Luton uh, Town first game of the season on a Friday night, you know, what could possibly go wrong? They're playing their first four games away because they have to redo yeah. the stadium. Oh, that, mm-hmm. They're going to lose four in a row probably. Because you, you can imagine like... Teams. You can imagine like Carragher and Neville just like knocking on doors of local residents and losing, just bringing them on. <laughs> Come in here, I, mate. I don't Come think, uh, I don't, Arsenal. I don't think Carragher, um, yeah, knocks on doors. I don't think Scousers do. No, they just, in. just, oh, just break in. Just let themselves in. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> allegedly. Yeah, but you're right, Josh. The Man, Man United and, uh, Man United, Man United. I don't fear as much. Liverpool. I don't. I don't fear, but they've got a settled no. back. They've got a settled core of a squad now, haven't they? And I think Liverpool... it depends on our drop off. Is what I'm thinking. Is it's yeah, not yeah. Liverpool? I think compete with us for second, mm. and I think Man United sneak in because of our drop off. Yeah, that's that's where I see that competition, and I can see based on how Liverpool have rebuilt their forward line. If they do the same again for their midfield, they don't worry me. Yeah. They've, and to be honest, if McAllister ends up going there, I could see that being a really strange signing for them because he's not the midfielder they need at all. He's another Thiago, and that doesn't work with Klopp. He needs a runner. He needs box to box. He needs energy in that midfield, as well as then he's already got Jota as a creator. Mm. So that's where I think they need to get that right. And obviously integrate a whole new midfield quite early on as well. Um, I can't see, I see Newcastle falling off. Mm. Um, the luck they got this season, I don't think is sustainable. Eddie Howe will get found out as well. I was just going to say, none of us have mentioned Newcastle. I agree with you. No. I think, I think mm. Howe's, I think he'll get found out as well. You can't yeah. have, I'm sorry to do this to you, Josh, but you can't have Dan Byrne in the Champions League team. I'm sorry. You just can't. I don't think it's right either. Don't worry. No. <laughs> As much as he's a lovely local lad and that, you, you can't have Alan Maximum falling over his feet in Champions League. Like, you just, you can't, like, no. I mean, look at that midfield. It's not sustainable to have Bruno Guimaraes and then, what, one of the long staffs, or maybe both of them in that Jay midfield. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I wish we'd got Isaac, though, but that's a story for another day. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, nobody seems to be worried about them. I mean, it just depends what they spend, doesn't it? If they do go after a Neymar type player and they. That's my worry. Again, Newcastle, they might they're going to make a marquee signing, aren't they? I think they yeah, definitely will make a marquee well, signing. Yeah, that's yeah. the thing. Eddie Howe couldn't deal with Jermaine Defoe in the Bournemouth side because he was too <laughs> yeah. big of a name. Imagine I Neymar. don't know how he's going to deal with a name. Imagine Jason Tindall <laughs> dealing with Neymar. More importantly, oh like, God, anyone? God, he's going to get more pictures <laughs> there. He'll Jesus, be in. Like. He'll be in. He'll, he'll go to Neymar's sister's birthday parties. He'll be Tinder's in the background. Fucking <laughs> 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 oh, come on! <laughs> you have Sam Allardyce in, in, the, in the background necking <sighs> some wine with Tinder on his on his lap. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Lads so just, yeah. Just quickly before we go, like, I'm so happy that Leeds went down. Not so because of Leeds the club, just because their of Tyler Dice. Oh, their fans! Now I, can't, as well. I can't stick their fans. Such entitled bunch of fuckwits. 
Fucking Northern Monkeys, fuck off. I wish Everton had gone, I'm not going to lie. I wanted Leicester to stay up. But... It was a it was a perfect year where you wanted four teams to go down, wasn't it? Mm. It's where, you, where you think about it. in the it. chat that he's gone. Allardyce has left, has he? Yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, I didn't know that. I, I've been out the loop. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was a nice little payday, signed, wasn't it? Because he only yeah. signed a four-game yeah, four deal. Four-game deal, yeah. I just um, assumed he would stick around in the championship, but... God, no, he wants Premier League, doesn't he? No, he, he wants, he He'll go in again and say, oh, well, you know, I was given a bad hand, so that's why I couldn't keep yeah, Leeds up. Yeah, there's nothing I could do. That God, was it. Yeah. Nothing I could do, and he'll come round again. Yeah. Um, Not yeah, my dinner. be fine. Well, well, that's it. Um, well, that was this season. Um, it was fun. I guess everyone kind of enjoyed it, didn't they? Like, we've had ups and downs. We, I think on the whole, I think we all enjoyed this season you know, yeah, the football that we played. Times. Yeah, definitely. And I think we just fell short, uh, unfortunately. But I still say our number one objective, which is getting to the Champions League, we achieved. Like, it would have been nice if we had gone on to kind of, you know, win the league or even win a trophy. But uh, I, I'm happy of that fact that we've done so well this season. And I think next season brings a, a, another set of challenges. Um there's something I did want to touch on, but I'll, we'll do it for another show. And I want to ask Femi, it's about the, the ticketing system, but Femi would definitely do that on, on another show. Uh, oh, sure. can, I, can I ask I you one question? Anytime. I can do it quickly if you want. Yeah, I mean, we've been on for two, two hours 40, three minutes is going to kill us. I could do it like in two minutes. Um, yeah, so yeah, you need so ticketing system my, just minute. I got my renewals yesterday, actually, funny enough. Um, and obviously, I had to explain to the guy that's renting my <laughs> my ticket that hey mate, it's all change. <laughs> uh, so you're not you, you don't get the you used to get 26 games, so the 19 league games and seven cup games. Now you get the 22 or something like that. So you get 19 league games and the first three Champions League games, and then everything after that, you it's, it's, you get first choice, but. It's you, you get charged whatever they want to charge you. So depending on what type of game it is, cat A, cat B, cat C, whatever, you have to pay each ticket, each game as you get it. And the price for me, even though I got a two-game refund for this season, it was exactly the same as last year. So basically the price is going to be above the roof if we keep going through in Champions League games. So if we draw good teams in the chat, well, if we go through, basically, they're going to make it a category A, which is standard. 60 to 80 pound tickets if you're looking at let's say arsenal have a great season get to semi-finals what's that uh you you always forget with champions league it's only two extra games before semi-final isn't it because you league no, has like round, two extra rounds round, yeah so it's round of 16 quarterfinals quarter, semi-finals final, semi. right? so that's yeah. three yeah. that will be three extra home games so that's let's say eight let's say let's be generous and say to them 70 pound a pot that's the extra what uh, one forty two two hundred odd pounds extra on top, and then if you draw FA Cup home games, just whatever they want to charge for that as well. And I've got a feeling that if you, as a fan, decide not to take up your option for those games, if we make a final, good luck getting a ticket because you probably won't enter the ballot as well. So it's yeah. it's 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 a. It's a it's a hidden little thing that's not been spoken about that much, but Arsenal have changed the way they're doing tickets. Which, and I know for Silver and Silver members, I think they're doing it differently as well. Um, they've changed some of the the way that you Silver's. It's now a ballot, tickets. isn't it? To get it's here. now a ballot. So yeah. 
um, I was hoping to get, well, so far I haven't received an email or a phone call to get a season ticket. I am quite close to the top. I would say I'm like, I think I'm in like 2000s. I'm in the 2000s. I'm sure I am. And I, yeah, I'm very sure. I thought I was going to get a phone. Well, so far I haven't, but I thought I would get a call or an email about getting a season ticket this season. And I haven't so far. Um, and But I know now it's, everyone's a ballot. I think even with silver and red, it's a ballot. So I think they release yeah. a certain amount of silver season ticket, um, silver tickets, and then they um, they do the same. We've got um, red. So you don't have to be sitting on the internet waiting yeah. to see if you can get a ticket. And I think, I think Arsenal are trying to make it fairer, but I think it's going to be so much harder to get tickets now. Like I really, really do. And, you know, supply and demand or demand and supply, I guess the demand's higher and I guess the supply is low. I guess the the better thing is it's less of a closed shop Mm. and it will annoy everybody who is in the closed shop right now Mm. because they were, they were taking advantage. They were, well, they saw the advantage of it, not taking advantage, but then there were other people who were trying to get tickets who were always, you know, unlucky, always on the outside of the shop Mm. and making it more accessible. I think certainly it's a good thing. You're always going to piss someone off when it comes to tickets. You know, there's only a finite number. Um, oh yeah, definitely. I think it's certainly better than United. Um, it sounds like it's getting closer to that though. You know, where United, if you don't pick up your credits, you could just lose your entire season ticket. Well, and that would be do, the worry. You have to do 10 games now at Arsenal. And you, yeah. I, I got, and you get little badges now <laughs> when you go on your yes. membership, you get little trophies for how many games you completed and then if you complete your 10 i think it's 10 or 12 something like that you have to go to 10 or transfer them or give mm. them to someone or sell them exchange you can't just not turn up for a game basically mm. it's, it's not which it's is what it should be shouldn't it? it should it, be definitely it should be yeah it should be. And, and at the end of the day what we're all basically saying is we preferred it when we were shit because at least we could go every week. That's what we're <laughs> yeah. yeah, when everybody who was boycotting going to the new stadium because they didn't like the new stadium and we were yeah. also not playing that well at the time, didn't really care. Now suddenly that we're really good and don't necessarily mind as much about the stadium, they all yeah. of a sudden actually want to go to games. Yeah, uh, I, I I love how many people um, have crawled out the woodwork now and say, Emirates really feels like home. Is that anything to do with the fact we're winning now? Is that we yeah. were It's a shame. And, it's uh, a shame that when we built the stadium, I know it was a you know wonderful work by the the guys, but it seems like they rushed a few things to get to get it through to get us mm-hmm. there. They mm-hmm. didn't have a lot of future planning ahead yeah Yeah, Yeah. foresight there's a there's no room for development the sponsorship deals that we signed were pretty crappy i'm sure um mr hillwood always used to say that (laughs) at the time as well you always say that our naming rights are useless now they're pointless we just have to give them away now they're worth no money yeah so but you know they, they did good to get us in the stadium but with a bit more planning we could have all yeah Got it, got well, it that's it about now. things like 10, 15 years ago, would you have thought that safe standing would even be considered as a thing? Mm. And that's one of the future-proof things that I think what we can't do because of the angle of the um, of the North Bank, we can't put safe standing in there. Yeah, It's those kind of odd things that you're like, oh, okay, maybe we'd have to redesign it. But I suppose on the upside, because it's a catalogue one, whatever Benfica do, we can just do the same. 
Yeah, true. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> a very good way of putting it. Yeah. Um, and and the final final thing, because we will wrap this up now. Um, I'm going to put it on record because I know our good friend Jeff Holifrand. We've been we've been talking about this. Uh, we are the only two people on this planet that actually really like the new Arsenal way kit. So, um, to those of you who don't like fluorescent kits. Oh, I like well, the green I like one. The, I like oh, the green oh, kit. I like the green kit. <laughs> Sorry, the one that not the, the yellow warden kit. The no, 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 not the green one. No, 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 the fluorescent one with the lines and the you know. No, the, no, no. I like. Oh god, no. no. I love it. I like. The, I like the, the green one. The green I like kit the green is one. nice. The green kit is nice. The green kit is all right. It's a bit dull, but it's all right. And I, oh, I like the home kit. The little, the little details around. Little, yeah, the AFC for the old school. Yeah. Um, I can't like, wait to pay an extra 40 quid for those little details. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not spending 90 quid on a, on a bloody piece of fabric. But no, I, I really like the, the new away fluoro kit. And like Jeff and I were saying, it reminds us of the Adidas equipment days, like the 90s when it was all just like loud colours and wacky designs. I'm, I'm, all, I'm all about it. I love it. All those people that, oh, I love the black kit. Yeah, cry more. Primal. I mean, it's a goalkeeper, get the goalkeeper one. Yeah, I'll definitely get the goalkeeper one. I think, I think, I think they've been clever with that, haven't they? They were like, "Oh, everyone liked the black kit, did they?" Mm. Here's what we're gonna do. You know, we're gonna put a really big. You know, we're gonna put quite a charismatic figure in it. Uh, we'll put our goalie in that. That'll work. Yeah, I like the home kit, but the the white socks they have to go blood. I'm sorry, no, it should be red. It should always be red socks. Other than that. I like it. I like the gold. I like the trim. Nice, but the white socks are a big no-no. Especially as Jeff and I talked about when you've got like our captain getting his socks the wrong way around and the lightning bolts on the inside of the calf. Martin, what are you doing? It's on the outside. Come on, man. You know. Anyway, that's all I had to say about that. Right, but I'm not paying hundred quid for it. I'm not as rich as them. <laughs> Who is? Exactly. Well, you're not far off. To be fair, yeah. you run London. <laughs> Look at his bedroom, like the, the listener said, he's got matching walls and bed sheets. That's amazing. <laughs> I have I the authority even... that that bed spins. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, um, God, this is a. And I've heard it through the grapevine. Boris Johnson does Carl's laundry. That's how rich he is. So. <laughs> he yeah. may wash some money for me. That's probably about it. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. uh, allegedly. Anyway, Christopher, wrap yes. this shit up. Yes, yes, we will get out of here now. Um, it's the end of the season, so that's why we've gone a bit longer tonight, which is also what she said. Um, but yes, hopefully you've all enjoyed it. Uh, it's nice to be back. Um, plans for the summer are TBA or CBA. I don't know which way around it is. We will be around in the summer in short. We'll probably do some quote unquote specials. We'll do a few few lives. We might do some Q&As. We'll, We'll be around, but obviously we will take a bit of a, a bit of a break uh, in between the, the quiet weeks because um, unlike some people, we like to get outside. We like to enjoy our lives uh, and it's sunny at the moment. So we're going to do that, but we will be around. So uh, keep tuned to um, at the AFC podcast on the Twitter. Uh, if you have enjoyed this podcast, if you're listening on the audio form or if you watched it on YouTube, uh, do hit the bell to subscribe. Give us a thumbs up. Leave us a comment. We do read the comments um danny doesn't really do anything with his life other than sit up till obtuse hours of the night clicking comments um that's harsh he does do he sells on ebay as well but um and watches pornhub allegedly 
Uh, and he has a hard disk of anyway, let's move on. But, um, yeah, in all seriousness, if leave us a comment, um, if you like us, if you hate us, let us know, and we'll either completely uh, avoid you and never speak to you again, or we'll give you a shout out. Who knows? Thanks to everybody who's in the chat today. You guys know who you are, you're all legends. We love you to bits, and thank you to all of those listening. And, um, thanks for a great season, it's been fun. We've had many different faces, many different shows, um, many ups couple of downs but ultimately it's i think it's been a success and we've enjoyed the ride so uh new season is coming we've got the american tour to look forward to we'll be doing plenty more the only thing i can guarantee you right now is we'll never have ian Wright on our show sorry guys this has been an arsenal podcast about come wonderland podcast no less thank you carl thank you Femi. thank you josh much appreciated no worries at all and to you chat and to everybody else Good night, all. Bye. As soon as I scored that goal, I was fucking livid. Get down, dog. Splendid business. He nearly caught the bloody thing. What are you talking about? <laughs> so I've just eaten a full quiche. Well, you don't often see him at him. So when you see him in the supermarket, they need to be swagged, microwaved immediately, and get the brown sauce on one. Bosh, Bob's your uncle. Never in doubt. <laughs>